You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 187 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. Said the right name this time. <laughs> I was listening back because obviously anybody that paid attention knows that our last episode came out very late. Um, yeah, like you at one point you were like, "I'll always make sure that it doesn't come out after the next one is supposed to come out." And yeah, I was like, "He's pushing it this time." <laughs> yeah, and like so, we're, this is Saturday today. I was going to edit the show on Thursday. Uh, Thursday night, but my child decided that he was going to just throw a fit all day long. <laughs> so all the live long day. So I was dealing with that. So I did finally get it out. Uh, well, I, I finally edited it last night and got it out this morning. And it seems like we're getting more attention putting it out on Saturday than we do on Wednesdays. <laughs> Interesting, because I I never listen to podcasts on the weekend. I listen to them at work. Well, I'm I'm mainly talking about like our social media, like oh. a lot of people liking and retweeting and such and such. Hmm. I don't know if that necessarily translates to listens. It, yeah. it often doesn't. But anyway, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. I don't know. Well, the episode's out. Oh, but oh, right. So yeah, last episode. I started saying Taylor's name for some reason oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of my own. <laughs> Don't know what that was about, but here we are. Anyway, um, so there's a, a brand new day, a brand new episode. Uh, we weren't sure what we were doing last episode because we had an open space on the calendar, um, but we did figure it out because the new Candyman released on VOD. Uh, we had previously scheduled it for last episode. But we neither of us were very comfortable with going to a theater, but it released on VOD. So we will be talking about uh, the original Candyman and the brand spanking new Candyman from uh, Nia DaCosta. Yep. So look forward to that. Anyway, um, how's it going, Taylor? Pretty good. Yeah. What's new? Uh, not a lot. Cool. You know, just... Working from home and... Just living the dream. Hanging out. Still working from home? Yep. I thought you went back to the office. One day a week. Oh, okay. I thought... Did that change? I thought you were going back full time. No. Oh. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at going back to the office because my wife goes back to work from off from maternity leave next month. Um, I don't think she has a, sp- a specific date yet, but next month she'll be going back. And I think because the kid will be at, we're, we'll be with one of our moms uh, that I might start going back to the office. But I want to maintain a, an office, 
like a home office too, so I can have the the option. Yeah. So gotta figure that out. Uh fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my um I don't know. My work situation is weird because I on paper I am in a in one department, but I work for a different department. So my sort of boss, she came and worked in my office uh on like Wednesday. Um and like I haven't even, I haven't been in there myself in months. So my office has just been locked up like this vault <laughs> captured in time. Uh she came in, she's like, none of your stuff is in here, like my monitors and all that. She's like, none of your stuff is in here. I'm like, oh yeah, I brought all that home a long time ago, so sorry. <laughs> but anyway. This is our last uh last episode before October Rama. Yeah, that's a big one. That uh for those of you that are, are newer fans of the show. Every year we uh, have uh, something that we call Octoberama. Um, we obviously do bi-weekly shows, um, but in Octoberama we put out an episode every Wednesday in October leading up to Halloween. Um, and usually our, our yearly anniversary as a show falls in that time. Um, and the, the, the thing of Octoberama is that we have uh, theme shows. We start out with Week of the Vampire. Then we go into Week of the Zombie. Then we go, we have Week of the Patreon, in which our gravediggers pick a, a, a show. And then we round it out. Usually, if we have an extra week, if, if October's a long month, uh, we, round, we have one more episode that we pick. It's just kind of a wild card. <laughs> wild card, <laughs> bitches! And then we finish it all off with our Halloween episode. Which doesn't necessarily come out on Halloween. It'd be nice if it did one year. Yeah. But it doesn't. I think it did one year. Did it? It's been eight years. Like, it had to have at some point, right? One would think. I mean, yeah, because not necessarily every year, but usually a day of the or a date will change the day of the week every year. Yeah. Most of the time. So, um, anyway... But we do Halloween-themed episode, uh, movies. Yeah. And we're still discussing what we plan to do. That. Well, I mean, we have a, a plan in mind already, but we're... We card, card subject to change. Yeah. We haven't settled on exactly how we're going to pr- uh, approach that this year. Anyway, but it's fun. It's, it's fun for the kids. Yeah. You get more grave plot action coming at you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, also, speaking of Grave Plot action, uh, we have the Grave Plot Film Fest reminder to everyone. That's right. We've uh, we've gotten a, a, quite a few submissions so far. Looking forward to start wading through those. Um, got some. I saw a couple from Australia, some from Spain. Australia, mate. Australia, mate. <laughs> Um, Throw another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> Put another shrimp on the bobby for me. Oh, wait, that's Irish. <laughs> um, but no, we've gotten uh, a lot of submissions. Um, 
like I said, I haven't really gotten into them so far, but the ones that I've kind of peeked at look like pretty promising. Just a little peekaboo? Yeah, just a little, uh, you know, I'm gonna pry it open. It's just a little peek. Just a little tiny little peek. Just one little eye. <laughs> um, but if you are a filmmaker and you have a short horror film, 15 minutes or less, and you want to submit it, head over to greatplotfilmfest.com or filmfreeway.com slash greatplotfilmfest. Submit it today and avoid the late fee. Yeah. And also, for those of you that aren't filmmakers, uh, we will be hosting the Grave Plot Film Fest at the Arc Lodge Cinema on February 2nd? 5th. 5th. Um, and uh, that's in Columbia City in Seattle. Tickets will be available uh, to purchase online uh, on, Octo- on uh, Halloween. That's our little little treat for you. Mm-hmm. little treat. You got to say trick or treat when you buy it. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't you, give you one. Yeah, doesn't it's we it's very technologically advanced. I can't explain how it works, but uh, it's a it's a a voice code. Yep, should be a fun time. It'd be nice to get everybody back in the theater safely. I mentioned on the last episode that we will be requiring proof of vaccination or a mask, even if the theater doesn't already. Although, I mean, I don't, I don't know if theaters are in the new mandate, but King County now is just like, yeah, you pretty much need a vaccine to go indoors. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. The only thing that bothers me about it is that King County isn't really the place that needs it most. Yeah. Well, I gotta... See, we can't... It'll lead by example. Uh, well, it's, I don't even think it's that. It's that the people who won't get it are the dipshits that... Elected dipshits who won't endorse it or enforce it. Yeah. So it's like we gotta, yeah, look out for our own. It's like if... if the rest of the state isn't going to be smart about it, then it's up to up to us in this county to be smart about it and protect at least the people in basically the financial hub of the state. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, hopefully I won't be uh, won't be sick as a dog this time. Yeah, let's hope so. And hopefully, you know, we stay healthy with no COVID. Yeah. We managed to you know, between the two of us, we managed to dodge a bullet for going on two years, almost two years. Uh, and yeah, have you heard about like the super immunity now? Immunity. Basically, like, I don't know if it can work in reverse order, but people that have gotten COVID and then get vaccinated. I mean, from what I hear, they have like pretty extreme reactions to it. Like, uh, you know, how you or I, we got sick, you know, felt like shit for a day or two after a vaccine and then afterwards we we're fine and, you know, we're properly inoculated. From what I hear, people that have had COVID and then get vaccinated, it hits them hard. Oh, yeah. Um, And but the turnaround from that is that people who have had COVID and then get vaccinated are showing basically like a super immunity to all strains of COVID. Even the moo? Well, I can't speak on that, but I know like the Delta variant, at least they're showing like, and uh, at the time I was reading about this, all known strains of coronavirus. Hmm. Um, so I know that researchers are starting to look into that and maybe try to factor it into a vaccine or maybe do something like they were doing like when we were kids and people were having, you know, chicken, chicken pox, pox parties. parties. Um, so, I don't know what, 
what to expect. So this article today it says, you know, coronavirus may never be gone. So just I don't think it's I don't think it, I think it will. Yeah. I think our our best case scenario is it's going to be seasonal. It'll be like the flu. It's like, oh, it's COVID season. Yeah. Time to go get your COVID shot. Yeah, except it could kill you, even if you're healthy. I mean, the flu could kill you. It's it's, it's unlikely. To, well, I guess COVID's unlikely to kill you if you're healthy. But I think the uh, the requirements are a lot more stringent. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, before we proceed with the rest of the show, we do want to thank our grave diggers over on Patreon. These lovely bunch of people, or this lovely bunch of people, uh, help f- support this uh, shit show financially. Uh, it's not an expensive show we run, but it does cost money, and unfortunately, we don't have much of it. So, uh, yeah, these people's contributions go a long way to keeping the lights on around here. Um those lovely folks are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and Kevin Nesgoda. Thank you so much, everyone, from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, it means the world to us that you believe in us so much <laughs> to give us your money every month. Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast for as little as $1 a month. You can get perks, including joining us live for Horror Business, like we are live on Discord right now as we speak. Uh, you can also, like we said, pick one of the themes for October Rama. That's that's only $1, $5 for your, your name in the show. Uh, and then we have a couple other tiers. You can also get discounts on Great Plot merchandise and others. We so, used to have a hundred dollar tier, but not anymore. Yeah, somebody somebody claimed it. We got to figure out maybe something else. I feel like with I don't remember if we talked about this on mic last episode, but or maybe it was the episode before. I've lost track of time. Time means nothing to me anymore. But we were talking about how like there's nothing left to do, and then it's like on me to do something stupid now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's like if I were to get a tattoo. Of something dumb like a fat unicorn, my wife would not be pleased. <laughs> and you're saying that cheese isn't happy about. She's it. not, no. Um, but uh, yeah, you're not married to her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, Patreon.com/slash/GreatPlotPodcast. Join us for pong. For pong. Do, 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 do. Sure. It's a song. Is it? From the Vandals. Join us for a pong. Okay. There will be no pong. <laughs> We're not playing pong. All right. Should we do some uh, horror business? Yes. You know, it would be kind of cool if we could do like a gaming with Grave Plot night for the patrons. That would be cool. Is that something we can do? Like, do we have to have a Twitch for that, or how does that work? Uh, I mean, we can do it on. I think we can do it on Discord. Um, but we could do it on YouTube or. And just do like a private YouTube link. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep an eye out, diggers. Maybe we'll do that. 
Yeah, I don't. No promises. But could play like Dead by Daylight or something. <laughs> I think there's a way to do a private Twitch stream, but you have to have like a membership or something. Oh. And I don't think you can say, oh, well, these people have a membership elsewhere. So give them access. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> okay. So starting out in real world horror, uh, we all know that Michael Myers is the, the bane of Springwood's existence. Not Springwood. That's uh, Freddy. Haddonfield's existence. Uh, Where's but- Haddonfield, Tony? <laughs> Illinois. Oh, not Ohio? Fuck you. <laughs> Springwood is in Ohio. Yeah, that's something we didn't mention. <laughs> it's that little pocket of Ohio that looks like California. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, but little did you know that Michael Myers also frequents Texas. You know how I know? Because he was arrested there. Mm. Uh, so officers, that's a good reason. I think so. Uh, officers in Galveston, Texas, responded to a 911 call about a man walking along the, sh- the shore carrying what looked like a bloody knife. Uh, this is a statement from Sergeant Stacy Pap- Papillion. Or Papillon. I don't know. Whatever. A double L could be the... Silly French A-A. names. Uh, I think it's th- Spanish. I don't care. It's not American. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not French or Spanish, so it's not. It's of zero concern to me. Uh, the man. Oh, identi- I think it's actually Italian. What? It's actually Italian, then. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, the man identified as Attorney Mike Metzger. Mark. If, oh, Mark Metzger. Because uh, it's Mike Myers. Yeah. It's- the, All those M's. The whole head thing. Yeah. Um, what am I talking about? It's, uh, it was attorney Mark Metzger the third. He was ticketed for disorderly conduct and released. So it's not actually Michael Myers. It's a guy named Mark. It's Mark Myers. Mark Myers. <laughs> the third. The third. Uh, the Beach Patrol even played the Halloween movie Halloween movie theme song when they saw him. So they thought it was funny. Just the guy. But then they arrest him anyways. I guess that's the beach patrol. Well, not the actual fuzz. Yeah, the beach patrol is like just a bunch of bros. Yeah, man. Michael Myers, bro. Woo-hoo-hoo. Fucking A. Woo. Just riding around. Fucking, fucking Friday the 13th, bro. <laughs> Die. <laughs> uh, it felt like a scene out of Scooby-Doo after they handcuffed me and pulled the mask off. Like, oh, was he wearing... Michael Myers mask? Yeah. Oh. Left that part out. What did you think it meant when it said Michael Myers was arrested? You thought it was just a guy? Well, it implied that... Just mean, a guy named Michael Myers? The story, <laughs> the story itself implies that he's just walking around carrying a knife. It says nothing about him being dressed as Michael Myers. I thought that was implied. Well, it wasn't. Taylor, thank you. Maybe if you just stop and think for half a goddamn second. I don't need this. Good. Get out of my house. I'm taking my stuff with me. You broke your fucking headphones. Whatever. They're pieces of shit anyway. I think I may actually have broken them. God damn it. Okay. I'm good now. Anyway. 
yeah, he says, I f- it felt like a scene out of Scooby-Doo after they handcuffed me and pulled the mask off. Like, I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling Karens, you know? He told KTRK, which is TV, probably. Probably. It could be radio. It'd be weird that if a radio station was interviewing him, though. Why? I don't think uh, radio stations tend to have, like, reporters on scene. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. I like how he's just nonchalant about it. It's like, dude, you're walking around with a Michael Myers mask on with a knife. Yeah, he actually also went so far as to say he doesn't understand why he was arrested. <sighs> Fucking guy. But it wasn't a real knife. It wasn't a real knife. No. I think it was one of those ones that, like, the blood pools when you turn it upside down or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, it's not even October. Like, what are people supposed to think? Yeah, there's a tropical storm hitting Texas, and I guess he he said he went out to try and, like, lighten the mood. Read the room, guy. (laughs) Anyway, so there's that. Uh, Probably out on bail, I'd assume, if he's an attorney. Yeah. Okay. It just says he was ticketed, so I guess he wasn't really... Said he was arrested. Or the, well, I mean, they put him in handcuffs, but they that's could've... detained. It's detained. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> have you ever been detained, Taylor? I have not. Me neither. I kind of thought I was like the only one. <laughs> I was a good boy. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> So Netflix, uh, a while ago, put out an interactive Black Mirror movie. And a lot of people are kind of like, this is the future of movies. Mm, no. <laughs> uh, but apparently Netflix has given it another go with a new interactive Halloween film coming from Netflix and WWE. Uh, that's World Wrestling Entertainment. For those oh, who it? don't know, even though wrestling is, they're not allowed to say wrestling. They can't say they're World Wrestling Entertainment anymore? Nope. Because because they're sports entertainment. Is that for tax purposes or something? No. That's just Vince being Vince. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, the new film is called Escape the Undertaker, and it stars... Get this, The Undertaker. No. A.K.A. Mean Mark Calloway. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but The Undertaker has been retired for two, three years at this point. Mm-hmm. But they just keep... Uh, excuse just keep, the, just keep trotting him out. Just, excuse the pun, they keep digging him up. <laughs> uh, pun very much intended. <laughs> intended, but not necessarily wanted. Sure, yeah. Because I fucking hate puns, Max. (laughs) Also starring in this film are uh, Big E, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston, known collectively as The New Day. I know Kofi Kingston, and that's it. Big E is the current WWE champion. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Well, about that. Kofi Kingston is no longer Jamaican. 
It's good because I didn't actually believe that he was. <laughs> but he still goes by Kofi Kingston? Yeah. That's not his name, though. No. It's probably like like Mark or something. <laughs> like Mark Myers. Mark Myers. That's probably his name. Um, in the film, The Undertaker has set a trap for the decorated tag team The New Day at his mansion. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already out. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm, no. Uh, what they don't know, The Undertaker's mansion is an extreme haunted house. Back to the brim with supernatural challenges. God. Is, is this a movie or a game show? Well, let's see. Like, that's the... <laughs> I think like, that's the thing about these uh, choose-your-own-adventure movies. It's like, the only time that I've ever... I mean, aside, outside of, like, books, the only time I've ever experienced something like that was in a video game. So that's what it really plays as. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's like a video game. It's not like watching a movie. So, I mean, maybe in that respect, this ridiculous premise works. Yeah, uh, it's up to viewers to decide the fate of these three poor souls trying to survive the wrath of The Undertaker. Kill them. Um, the Undertaker is like 75 years old. Like, Just push him down. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's slow. He's, he's so slow. His knees are fucking shot. Yeah, just give him one, like sidekick to the kneecap and he'll go down he'll probably cry yeah he'll just cry and cry and then you just leave <laughs> it's like tell me where the exit is or i'll kick you in the other one <laughs> and he'll be like please i'm so old <laughs> what if he was listening to this and like i'm gonna find them whatever and then he rolls up on his american badass <laughs> fuck you mark so many marks yeah the lawyer, Mark Myers, Kofi Kingston, <laughs> Mark Calloway, all the fucking Marks that are going to watch this shit. Ah, I see what he did. Ah, I used the lingo. It's like uh, when you're watching the wrestling. Right. <laughs> uh, well, if, if you are interested in this, uh, it will premiere on Netflix on October 5th. <laughs> if you are a Mark. If you are a Mark. Yeah, October 5th. Marktober 5th. <laughs> That's what they call it. You going to watch this, Taylor? No. Got better things to do on October 5th? Probably. Jacking off. You like to literally anything? <laughs> Stare at the wall? Go for a walk? Like, I, I had just copy and pasted this. This is the first time I actually read this premise. And this is fucking stupid. That's so dumb. Like, uh, The Undertaker's mansion, that alone, just, I can't picture The Undertaker in this, I'm just picturing, like, the, you know, the Adams house or something. Yeah. When, in fact, The Undertaker probably lives on, like, some, like, ranch house out in the middle of, like, Wyoming or something. Probably. <laughs> he's American better. He is. He's a, he's a big Trump guy. That's not surprising, but disappointing. All right, well, let's talk about something else. Marks.
There are a few things that I am a mark for. <laughs> One of them being the ever-wonderful, beautiful, hilarious... Ageless, timeless... All those things. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh, you know, for decades, she had her uh, show, Elvira's uh, Movie Macabre. Started out on public access. Well, no, sorry, it wasn't public access. It was just a, a local show that was eventually syndicated and picked up, and she did movies and Halloween specials, and she did advertisements for Budweiser, and the rest is history. Uh, she's not, not necessarily been out of the public eye. I mean, she's been doing like the con circuit, uh, and she was supposed to be at Crypticon. She, she was, um, and uh, yeah, she's been keeping busy. But she was just there two years ago, three years ago. Oh, it was longer ago than that. It was like our first or second year we went there. Was it? Yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah, she's been keeping herself busy, not only as Elvira, but as her herself, Cassandra Peterson. Uh, but people have been clamoring and fiending for Elvira to come back on a regular, well, yeah, regular basis. You know, basically revive Movie Macabre, and that was bolstered by Joe Bob coming back. You know, people have been begging Netflix and Hulu and all these streaming services to bring Elvira back. And guess what, kiddies? Elvira's coming back for a, a very special Halloween event. And guess who brought him back brought her back? Is it Shudder? It's Shudder. Hey. <laughs> the saviors of the horror community, guys. They are the ones that bring us all the films we thought were lost to time and Joe Bob, who we thought was lost to time. <laughs> um, Sh- Shudder, Shudder knows what horror fans want. And I, that's what I appreciate about them. Is that what you appreciate about them? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Shudder is bringing Elvira back with Elvira's 40th, yes, 40th anniversary. 40 years she's been around. That's wild. Uh, Elvira's 40th anniversary Very scary, very special special <laughs> Classic uh, Shudder proves that it's not messing around With their 61 days of Halloween lineup By bringing back the Halloween queen of camp Elvira This year marks the 40th anniversary Of the horror host icon And mistress of the dyke Wow Dark <laughs> uh, And AMC Network's premium streamer Is celebrating a with a one-night movie marathon event, Elvira's 40th anniversary. Very scary. Very special special. Now, this is one night, but if you so recall, Joe Bob. Joe Bob was one night as well. Um, now, I don't know if Cassandra Peterson is really interested in going back to having a, a weekly show or you know a regular show uh, like she did. Because if I remember right, like she was saying that like she's close to just retiring, you know, doing events as Elvira, and, and you know, she's got to be pushing seventy. Um, so I mean, she still looks great. Yeah, but she looks better than the Undertaker. <laughs> um, but you know, dressing up like that when when you're getting up there in years, it's like might come to a point where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Uh, where do we leave off? The uh, special comes out on sat- Saturday, September 25th. Oh, wow. Not even October. Uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern in the U.S. and Canada via the Shutter TV feed within the Shutter app. I really wish that, like, this would translate to the Shutter um, uh, channel on, like, Amazon. Because I know, like, I know some TVs, like, you have a Roku TV, and I know that Roku has a Shutter channel. Has the Shutter app, app, yeah. I mean, uh, my TV doesn't have that, but I have the Shutter channel through Amazon. So I can watch everything that's on Shutter, including Joe Bob, but I can't watch the live. Oh, stream. really? Yeah. You so, can't watch it came from Shutter. No, I mean I have the. Sh- and the- <laughs> you can you can do it from your phone, right? Yeah, I still I have so I have basically two memberships. I pay for Shutter on Amazon, and I pay for Shutter. That doesn't the seem app. worth it. Well, the reason I did that was because when I first got Shutter, the Shutter app was so shitty. Mm. It was just really buggy and. The only way I could really enjoy Shutter was to watch it through Amazon, um, and it's like I mean we've we've gone over before how cheap Shutter is. It's six bucks a month, dude. I just had to renew my membership, and it was fifty dollars for a year. Really? Yeah. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna do that." <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll do. save myself twenty five dollars. Fucking a. Um, and uh, it, but anyway, yeah, Shutter's so fucking cheap and. Having having basically two memberships, it, it goes under the radar. <laughs> Don't even notice. Uh, anyway, uh, it'll also be released on demand to all Shutter platforms, which U.S., Canada, U.K., Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand, and the AMC Plus beginning September 27th. Did you know that? You can watch all the Shutter stuff on AMC Plus? I didn't, but it makes sense. It, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, similar to the late night television series, Elvira's movie macabre, uh, Elvira will lend her own blend of witty commentary to a horror movie lineup that includes Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. She's going to be doing her own movie, huh? House on Haunted Hill. Getting a little full of yourself there, aren't you, Elvira? (laughs) That's one of those movies that, like, like, if I can't find anything to watch, like, yeah, I'll fucking watch Elvira, whatever. Have you heard the Donald Glover bit where he was talking about somebody got in his car and he was listening to Childish Gambino? They were like, you bump your own shit? Yeah. He was like, entertainment industry is the only industry where you can't enjoy your own stuff. Like if I worked at Subway and I was at home making a sandwich and I was going to be like, oh, get a little conceited, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so she's going to be... Showing Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, House on Haunted Hill, I assume the original, City of the Dead, and Messiah of Evil. Some solid films there. Um, but, but, uh, Elvira said in a statement, it, it's always tough turning 40, uh, but, but, but what better way to mark the occasion than a one-night stand with Shudder, the spookiest of streamers. It's going to be the ultimate hollow anniversary bash uh, and you don't want to miss it. I like how you got through Hallow Anniversaween with no problems, and then you stumbled on Bash. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's just how my brain works. <laughs> I can usually just talk fine. It's when I read stuff that I get hung up. Mm. And like, I don't think I'm dyslexic. <laughs> I just like... You don't think. <laughs> 
I gotta like over process it or something and it just get gets hung up. But anyway. So I'm pretty stoked about this. Uh I knew you would be. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean I'd love to see it turn into something more regular like like Joe Bob. Uh it, it'd be nice to have like you know, Joe Bob last drive in runs on a season. You know, they show something like eight weeks of films or something like that. Um, and then that's the end of the season until the next year. It'd be nice if we had like maybe like Joe Bob in the fall and then Elvira in the summer or something. Yeah. So they're not competing. Yeah. Just so you have round round or year round, uh, films and you know late night hosts yeah that'd be fun it'd be like the 80s and 90s all over again <laughs> that's what we all want i mean kind of at this point don't you uh the future kind of sucks yeah <laughs> but so did the 90s the 90s weren't all bad man i can't believe 90s fashion is coming back 90s fashion was terrible i don't care what anybody I says know. but so like I was telling you that we were watching, uh, not Reno Nine One One, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Nine Nine, Nine Nine, uh, and there's the episode where they go to Jake's high school reunion, mm-hmm. and it's '90s theme, and fucking Amy's wearing that like a plaid, no, no, it's like a flower print dress, and she's got like the choker necklace on, and her hair up in like a kind of like top of her head ponytail, mm-hmm. like total '90s look. But I'm like, all right. <laughs> Like I can, it, it's it's funny that like even though your tastes, like as far as what you find attractive, kind of change with time. You can always go back to what you used to find attractive. Yeah. Like like my like my dad, he still to this day loves like big like huge permed hair. <laughs> I don't know why, but again, it's just like the same reason I thought <laughs> that stupid '90s look was hot too. Like. We drive through the U district and I see these college kids wearing fucking Zubas and bucket hats. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe that fucking high waisted jeans started coming back. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not going to tell women what they should wear, but it's like, fucking, I hate high waisted jeans. <laughs> They're called mom jeans for yeah. a reason. <laughs> Uh, yep. Anyway, so Elvira, September 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be 5 p.m. for those of us on the West Coast. With Saeed. So look out for that. Big excite. Also, I mean, I don't know if we talked about this, but Joe Bob's coming back with another year of the Halloween Hoot Nanny. Yep. So October's going to be fun. Of course, this is September. I don't understand. I don't understand why they're. Yeah, why not hold off for like a week? Although I guess it's the sixty-one days of Halloween, so they are doing September and December. Yeah, or no, wait, September and October. Wow. Did you say September and December? Yep, that would be so many days. That'd be weird. We're doing our sixty-one days of Halloween, but not October. <laughs> it's like we're taking over Thanksgiving, Christmas, bitch. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> All those people that are like get so offended when Christmas starts Christmas decorations and stuff start showing up in stores and like fucking 
October or early November or something. But they have no problem when Halloween stuff starts showing up in stores in like June. I've never seen Halloween stuff show up in June, but I would I would have a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I'd be excited because I'd be like, fuck yeah, cool, Halloween stuff. But also, I'd be like, why is it here already? Well, sure, yeah. Any, any normal person would be. So there you go. Elvira. Payback is a dog, and revenge is sweet. Murder is the code that Jimmy lives by on these wicked-ass streets. I cut your head off. Go ahead and get your lead off. Set off. Motherfucker bit his leg off. I won't revenge this shit on end. You thought I was gone. Motherfucker, I'm back home. So everyone's favorite odd couple, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, are going to be teaming up once again. Who would have thought? I want to know how this happened. <laughs> I have no idea. But it's like, I don't know if maybe also, like... do you think Martha Stewart smokes? Oh, she definitely does. <laughs> but like, how... Like, if you were like 30 years ago, listening to Snoop Dogg, and be like, and like, I think this was before Martha, Martha Stewart was like who she is now. Before um, she did her, her nickel. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's like, part of me wonders if, like, going to jail gave her some kind of street cred. cred. Snoop was like, yo, Martha's hard. (laughs) It's like, maybe Martha got a little harder, and maybe Snoop got a little softer, and they just kind of met in the middle. Snoop's definitely seems like he's gotten a little softer in his old age. Oh, yeah, all those fucking gangster rappers did. Except for, like, Dre, who just seems like he just kind of disappeared. Except he got fucking jacked. And then there's Cube. Who tries to convince us he's still hard while making Are We There Yet 7. Right. <laughs> and being in comedy movies and stuff. And it's funny, you know, when like NWA was popular, like I was still living in LA. So like that shit was everywhere. Um, and uh, especially like the closer you got to Compton. It got sure. More, yeah. more and more popular. <laughs> um. And so it's just like, yeah, man, those guys from NWA, they're fucking hard. And uh, it's like nowadays, like fucking Ice Cube, yeah, he's making family movies and comedy movies. And it's like all those gangster rappers have gone so soft. It's like, what happened? They got families, I imagine. I guess. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, when you get rich, it's hard to, to rap about being from the hood, I guess. Yeah, that too. And yeah, Snoop just wants to, you know, smoke weed and chill. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Do your th- thug thizzle. Your th- yeah, do your thizzle. Uh, so Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart are teaming up once again to host Snoop and Martha's Very Tasty Halloween on October 14th. Uh, I don't. Oh, it's on. This is going to be on Peacock. Peacock? Pee out my cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pee pee. Yeah. We did say we were going to make dick jokes. So. <laughs> uh, teams of three bakers called Scare Squads Scare. are tasked. <laughs> Why? Are tasked with baking and building a full sensory twelve by twelve Halloween world that people can literally explore. The catch: their worlds must be inspired by the concept of fear. Imagine larger than life chocolate spiders or cotton candy cobwebs. Okay. So wait, twelve by twelve feet. I would assume so. So you have to like make you have to make a chocolate factory scene. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, like and like everything has to be edible, right? 
I guess that's kind of the impression I got. It's a baking show, so yeah. I mean, like twelve by twelve, it's it's not much bigger than this room, but still, like making an entire edible scene the size of this room is that's a task. Yeah. Also, you have very high ceilings. They're not that high for an apartment. They're uh, higher than my ceilings in my house. That's true. <laughs> Uh, tasty food content creator Alvin Zhu will use his cooking and baking knowledge to judge each baker's creation alongside Snoop and Martha. After the clock runs out, the judges crown the team that builds the tastiest confectionery world, and the competition ends in a fantastical Halloween party. Did you ever watch these baking shows? Like, I watch like Halloween Wars. Do you? Okay, it's funny that they make them make these big fucking elaborate things, and then like always have them like make like a side like okay well you know incorporate cake into your decoration but make like separate like little cupcakes to yeah a little uh little appetizers yeah and it's like there's so much shit so much fucking waste that these shows <laughs> generate and it's like you know my, my wife and i have discussed this before it's like where does all this shit go it's like they can't be constantly just feeding sweets to the crew or, you know, and, and people who might be on set or, or whatever. It's like, because there's going to come a point where people just don't want that anymore. Right. It's like, is the entire crew, anyone who's ever worked on Halloween Wars is now 500 pounds and diabetic. Right. Like, <laughs> and it's like, they can't just donate it to a, like a homeless shelter or something. It's like, guess what, guys? We don't, we were running a little short on beans tonight, but we have plenty of cake. <laughs> we have, we have this zombie body made out of cake. Yeah. The head was a pumpkin, so you don't don't worry about that. But also, it was made very quickly, so it might not taste good. <laughs> but there is spun sugar blood, so enjoy that. <laughs> and like pumpkin carving and shit, it's like I, I know it's just a pumpkin, but like you're just creating waste. Yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just these baking shows, like not not just like theme ones, like. The Halloween ones or, or holiday ones or whatever. So fucking wasteful. And there's no way that this is all being used appropriately. I know some of it's going in the garbage. Oh, I'm sure most of it is probably going in the garbage. Anyway. <clears throat> I like how it doesn't say what anybody wins. It's just like everybody does it and I hope everyone has fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, we all get to party with Snoop and Martha. <laughs> you know, that might be enough. <laughs> I mean, shit, it sounds like even if you just get on the show, you get to party with Snoop and Martha. So Yeah. Just drink some gin and juice. That's gross. I don't want to drink gin. <laughs> I'll drink schmookaboo. <laughs> Do you ever watch Workaholics? Uh, not really, no. So whenever they're trying to like hide that they're talking about smoking weed, they're like, you want a little schmookaboo? You know, I've never smoked weed in my life, and I have no problem with that, even though everybody else seems to. <laughs> um, but uh, I think if I was hanging out with Snoop, I'd probably smoke. I, I feel like you have to, yeah, right? It's like, who, who else would you want to smoke with? Like, if Martha Stewart is like, puff, puff, pass, and like, you going to tell Martha Stewart no? Yeah, if you're getting a fucking joint from Martha Stewart, and you're supposed to pass it to Snoop, you're taking it, because... Yeah. You know, that's once in a lifetime. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway, October 14th on Peacock. Check out Snoop and Martha's very tasty Halloween. So tasty. 
Alright, so while we all anxiously await the coming of Terrifier 2, because I know you all are. I am, I am. I am so fucking ready. I was really hoping it would be out this year, but kind of not looking like it. Yeah, I don't think so. Fucking COVID. It probably would have been. Fucking COVID. I mean, I know fucking Damien probably wanted to have it out like over a year ago. Oh, I'm but, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, COVID stopped filming. Although they seem to at least keep things, keep the train running. Yeah. In in some respect. Even Didn't during, he like change the ending or something because of? Did, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. Um, but uh, anyway, so while we're waiting on that to come through. The team work that worked on Terrifier 2 is now uh, coming forward with a new film called Stream. Uh, directed by one Michael Levy. Uh, the cast has a bunch of very familiar faces, including Jeffrey Combs, Daniel Harris, Tim Reed, D. Wallace, Mark Holton. Who do we, who do we, we said D. Wallace was the somebody of horror last episode. Who was it? Did we? Yeah. She just like pops up and everything. Oh, Samuel Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot who said that. Um, Felissa Rose. Daniel Roebuck. God, they pull everyone into this. <laughs> Terry Alexander, David Howard Thornton, our boy, uh, Charles Edwin, Powell, Bob Adrian, Sidney Mc- Malakay. Malake. Mm, Malaka. Malake like Mala. <laughs> She's into Malakas, you know. <laughs> uh, Wesley Holloway and Michael Levy, who apparently also stars. Uh, uh, yeah, so Michael Levy is telling Bloody Disgusting, over 90% of the movie is already shot in, in the can. <laughs> <laughs> in the can. But... Uh, it's currently in post-production, but due to the pandemic, there are a lot of unforeseen expenses we didn't initially plan for in order to keep everyone safe and work efficiently. So to balance that out, we put our heads together and decided what better way to do this than to offer fellow horror fans a chance to come on board with us on a project that has some amazing talent in it. These are the people we all grew up watching, especially if you're a diehard horror fan like myself, and get this, the best part of it all is the movie is almost complete. We went right into production after completing Terrifier 2 with pretty much the same crew, including David Howard Thornton uh, and Damien Leone. Producing, maybe? Uh, he's doing the special effects. I know that much. Okay. Oh, I guess that would make sense. Um, okay, yeah. So Damien Leone. Damien holds nothing back and brings the same gritty 80s style we all know and love to stream. So I mean that that's one hell of a cast. Yeah, it is. And how they can fit that many familiar faces into a film, like uh, I'm very curious. Uh, the plot plays out as such: when Roy and Elaine Keenan realize their family is drifting apart, they decide that something needs to be done. Roy forces his work to take a back seat, and they seize the opportunity to recreate a vacation from their past. A peaceful stay in a quaint hotel is just what they need. However, that is not what is in store for them. With four deranged murderers patrolling the seemingly mundane halls, the odds are definitely not in the favor of the Keenan. Wait, oh sorry, the odds are definitely not in the Keenan family's favor. 
Roy must fight for his life and those of his family as their simple weekend getaway truly turns into a vacation to die for. Why is it called Stream? I was just wondering that myself. I have no idea. I mean, I assume there's got to be some kind of streaming aspect to it. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the movie's almost done, but it is funding through Indiegogo currently. Um, uh, I suppose for just kind of final funding. Post-production, I assume. Yeah. Like distribution, maybe. Development. Wait. Uh, oh, uh, synopsis. The game. We are setting up the foundation of a franchise in a very unique way with multiple killers competing in a sadistic game. The film has boundless creativity and an endless future. So it's like a live action, um, uh, mixtape massacre. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, they don't have a like where your money goes section. Hmm, curious. They're currently at uh, $15,622 of their $35,000 goal. That's a lofty goal. I mean, I wish them the best. Yes. What are the what, what are the perks? What are the fucking perks? Uh looks like $45 gets you a mask. Okay. $10 gets you a, a thank you. Uh, $15 gets you a sticker. <laughs> People rip their faces off uh, for a sticker. <laughs> $25 gets your name in the credits and the special thanks. Uh, $30 gets you, looks like a sticker, special thanks, and a t-shirt. That's not so bad. That's, that seems like the best value right there. Yeah. Uh, $35 gets you a sticker, your name, and special thanks, and a Blu-ray. That also seems like a good deal. Uh, Forty dollars. I don't know what this is. It looks it looks like a different sticker, also the other sticker and a T-shirt. All right. Um, well, there are perks. Yes, and others. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we'll we'll plug the uh, the link into the show notes to that Indiegogo campaign. Um, and yeah, I mean, if it's even half the quality of uh terrifier then i'd say this is definitely worth your time and money um so yeah check out that link and uh donate if you are able bring money So remember how for the longest time, whoa, um, CW was trying to make a Lost Boys TV show with Rob Thomas of Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> yeah, didn't they try like Matchbox Twenty? Ooh, <laughs> sing a song. Shut up. Uh, yes, I do recall that. Didn't they try like two different two different versions at least? Yeah. Uh, well, it sounds like they have officially scrapped that idea altogether. Thank 
god. And now yeah, one, they were gonna make they're like gender swapping the Frog Brothers or something. Yes. Yeah, that was dumb. Uh, well, now they have abandoned that idea, and Warner Brothers is gearing up for a brand new reimagined movie based on The Lost Boys. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Noah Jupe, who is the young boy from A Quiet Place, uh, and Jaden Martell, best known as Bill from It. Bill. Uh, they are attached to lead the cast. Jonathan Entwistle of I Am Not Okay With This is directing, uh, and Randy McKinnon is writing. Did you ever watch I Am Not Okay With This? Is that the one with Elijah Wood? No, it was the one with uh, the the girl. Um, shit, I forgot her name. The girl who played Bev in It. Oh, where she has like telepathic powers? Yeah. No, so I, I didn't. It's I watched a couple episodes. It was, I think it got canceled. Which it seemed like that's like less and less difficult to do at Netflix nowadays. But yeah, um, yeah it wasn't great. So that I'm very apprehensive about this. Me as well. I um, feel like they're they're building a good cast from what I've seen so far. You know whether or not these are the Frog Brothers or they're too close in age to be. Um, fucking Sam Mike. and Michael. Yeah. Um. But I, anyway, so like, but th- but it's a new take. So they, it doesn't, you know, they could very well be Sam and Michael. And th- yes, I think it loses that dynamic though, where it's like a protective older brother, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, they're both good actors, uh, especially. Uh, Jaden Martell, he's been popping up in a lot of things lately, and he's he's a solid actor. Um, so yeah, the cast he was is, really funny in Knives Out. Yeah, he was uh, a little bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I I am not so much apprehensive about the cast so far. What does give me pause is the fact that they're remaking Lost Boys at all. And they use the word reimagine, which infuriates me. Which, I mean, the word reimagine basically just gives people a license to take the name and not make anything remotely similar to what the original property is. More or less, yeah. Um, it's like they just have like carte blanche to make a completely different thing. It's like, yeah, that's the title. We own it, so we're going to put it on there. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen that how many times with Black Christmas or, uh, fuck, I know there's been others, but just movies where they just, others. where they just like take a spec script and they're like, if we call it this, we can make more money. Yeah. Like I was telling you the other day, like, uh, the fucking remake of Chopping Mall that never got made. Where the guy was like, it's about mannequins possessed by the souls of slaves. It's like, that's not Chopping Mall at all. No, I don't remember that, but yeah, that would and then when people were like, that sounds terrible, he was like, yeah, well, the guy who made Chopping Mall approved it, so suck it. <laughs> people were like, you're an asshole. I'm not going to see your movie anyway now. Well, it's so obvious that, like, you know, when studios just... Actually, you know what's funny? 
I think in in my mind, the most notorious for doing this is probably the Hellraiser series, where movies just seem to have less and less to do with the theme of the series, you know, with the, the lament configuration and and hell and the Cenobites. Uh, and that's because after, I think, part th- four, they're all spec scripts that they just threw Pinhead into. Yeah. and Because they needed to make a movie to keep the rights. Yeah. And, well, that was what uh, Revelations, the one with Fat Pinhead. I always forget the titles because they're not important. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny because I was talking to you the other day about watching the, the Prophecy movies, the ones with Christopher Walken. That was the Prophecy. <laughs> with uh, Christopher Walken. That's terrible. That was, it, wasn't, it wasn't great. It was, was awful. It was probably my worst attempt ever. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Christopher Walken was in those movies. It was better than mine. It still wasn't very good. Not very good, though. I got one impression. I got me one. That's all I got. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so like the first, so none of them are all that great. <laughs> Let's set a baseline there. But the first one is definitely the best of the bunch, and they got progressively worse as they went on. The last two movies seem to have, I mean, they have nothing to do with Christopher Walken's character, Gabriel, or the, like the, the story that they set up in the first three movies. So yeah, four and five seem like they're completely different, and I almost guarantee that those are spec scripts that they just said, let's call it prophecy. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's also funny because the first three, Prophecy, Prophecy 2, Prophecy 3, 4 and 5 were like the Prophecy uh, Uprising or, you know, or whatever in just some inane subtitle that didn't actually say 4 and 5. Hmm. But also Dimension films, just like um, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yeah. Although the first three were Miramax, I think I told you that. They were Miramax, and then for 4 and 5, they got downgraded to Dimension. <laughs> anyway. So I'm just saying, fucking studios are notorious for just taking spec scripts and putting a title, a familiar title of a property that they own on it, saying, yeah, this is reimagined. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, it sounds like this is, like, it, this Randy McKinnon is writing it, so he's developing it. Right. It's not a spec script. It's not something they, like, pulled off the blacklist or something. I tried to, this guy, Randy McKinnon, he didn't really have anything on his resume that i recognize yeah me neither um but anyway so i'm apprehensive but hopeful um so dhr also notes details of the new take are being kept in the trunk of a 57 ford Fairlane, but it is being described as being set in modern day so you know what that means cell cell phones <laughs> Um, and of course, fifty-seven Ford Fairlane is what the the grandpa, the car the grandpa drove, right? Or didn't drive till the very end. Well, he, like he drove it, like he started it up and drove it like two feet. Yeah. He still drove it. <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's going to be like like apps, like uh, like like is this guy a vampire app? You just scan your scan on your phone. Yeah, probably it tells you if he's a vampire. 
Because, I mean, it's modern day and, you know, cell phones, they have apps. Yeah. <laughs> they always have apps where you can, like, scan a photo and it's like, oh, you you are 35 years old. And you're like, oh, so close. <laughs> I'm actually 42, <laughs> but you're close. Um, yeah. So, I mean. I always love those those apps that are just clearly just making shit up. Yeah. <laughs> It's like here, scan a photo. It's like, oh, you're forty six percent black. I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, unless my family is holding <laughs> some kind of secret from me. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I love The Lost Boys. It's one of my favorite vampire movies. Definitely one of my favorite movies uh, from the eighties. Um. And I'm very. Cautiously optimistic. That's that was what I was trying to come up with. Because it's gonna be so easy to fuck this up. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I know nobody's happy about it. Like anybody who's a fan of the Lost Boys is not happy. Just, yeah. Just it's one of those things where it's like, don't do that. <laughs> but like who's gonna play David? Like how how do you top Kiefer? I don't think you can. And even if he's not going to have that fucking bleach blonde mullet, then what's even the point? Word. Of course, mullets are making a comeback for whatever fucking reason. People are gross. I blame wrestling. I feel like so many fashion trends come back in wrestling first, like Zubas and fanny packs and mullets. Do you say so? (laughs) Anyway. All right. So that's it. That's our business. That's it. We did it. Hey. And it only took us an hour. How about that? Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So from here, we're going to do some movie reviews. Okay. So like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, we are going to be talking about the candy man no no don't don't say it don't say what don't don't, don't say that name <laughs> but that's the name of the movie both of them <laughs> i know but just don't say it but it's a character in both movies it's the main character but don't say it we gotta talk about we the don't can- want to we don't want to get dead we gotta talk about the candy man's <laughs> stop if i say candy man's Oh Does my that God. mean more than one candy man? That's three times already. <laughs> That's four times now. <laughs> Let's be you, real. If you say it one more time, we're going to die. Although there's no mirrors in here, so we might be okay. Okay, so. Anyway, so Candyman. <laughs> huh? Okay, I think we're okay. I think we're going to talk about the original first, right? I mean, that makes sense to me. Okay. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman. They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. 
cool candy man. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Bernadette! It ain't safe around here. I don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jean? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. is about to discover. Tell him. Get out! Get out! What's behind the mystery? I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all... Come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Although in this one, it does take like a day for Candyman to show up. So you may have just cursed us. It's true. Candyman just kind of does what he wants to. If this episode never comes out, it's because Tony said Candyman five times. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm sure most of you out there have probably seen Candyman, but that's never stopped us before. Uh, This movie came out in 1992, directed by Bernard Rose. Spoilers ahead. Uh... Written by Bernard Rose, and and Clive Barker. Well, based on a story by yeah, Barker. little little known fact based on a story by Clive Barker called The Forbidden. Um, yeah, this movie, of course, stars Tony Todd, Virginia Madsen, Xander Berkeley, uh, and uh, takes place in Chicago. Uh, it tells the story of uh, Helen um, Lyle. Forgot her last name. Um, she is a grad student and she is taking basically like a, a course on like, um, like urban legends and, uh, well, I mean, ur- urban legends, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. I mean, I, I, like history and mythology and I don't know. I'm trying to th- expand on the definition of modern folklore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like folklore in general, but yeah, focusing around how urban legends start, where they come from, what their basis is. Um, and in this exploration, she learns of a entity known as the Candyman. Uh, the story is that if you say his name into a mirror five times, very similar to Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. If you say his name in Omir five times, Candyman comes to you and, and kills you. Um, and yet you, you know him by his, he, he's very tall. He's played by Tony Todd, and Tony Todd's a giant. Um, and uh, he has a very heavy wool, you know, fur and wool coat on. And probably his most descript, uh, Feature is the hook uh, coming from his right arm. Um, so she uh, 
Yeah, so she she learns of Candyman because a woman uh, was murdered in her home while babysitting, uh, and she learns about it from a cleaning lady in her in her office building, um, who both come from a neighborhood, which you know it's it's basically a project in the middle of Chicago called Cabrini Green. Um. And the rumor she is, learned about it before she talked to the cleaning lady. I can't remember who she first learned it from. Then she got more details from the cleaning lady. Yeah, that part's eluding me right now. Like, so I, I told you this off mic, but I just I watched this movie a couple weeks ago because I figured if we were going to do it for our last episode, and at the time didn't know what we were going to be doing it for this episode. So I'm just like, fuck yeah, I'll watch Candyman. Why not? Yeah. So I watched it. Yeah, like like I think two weeks ago, and I didn't see any point in rewatching it, but maybe I'm not remembering quite as much of it as I thought I did. Anyway, so yeah, so Helen she learns about Candyman and starts exploring the 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 myth and folklore. She kind of narrows her focus on just Candyman. Yeah, um, because she is like I said a grad student, and she is involved with a professor at the college um and he and his um they're married are they married yeah okay well uh, when she first comes into the classroom he calls her his adoring wife or something like that okay well okay so her husband is a professor at this college or university whatever it is um and he and his um colleagues basically kind of look down on Helen because she is just a grad student and you know he seems to teach some kind of class on like folklore or something yeah so I mean he and it's it's I don't know what kind of department would focus on exclusively folklore I doubt a college would have a folklore department right but um so yeah they kind of look down on Helen uh as she's just a grad student and she's like basically rehashing stuff that they've researched to death they know everything about it particularly one professor whose name I'm forgetting um Philip Purcell right okay he kind of sees himself as an expert on Candyman knowing all about it already we learned that Candyman was actually uh a um a free man a, a free black man in the 1800s he was the son of a slave but grew up free uh he became a very well-known artist and he traveled the country uh painting portraits for kind of the white elite um and he one day it, well on a, a, a fateful event he was painting a portrait of the daughter of a very powerful and well-known merchant in the Chicago area. Uh, And they became involved, fell in love, and she got pregnant when she went to her father. Um, I I can't remember if she, like, flipped on him or something, or if it was just because she told him that he was the father Either way, the father arranged a lynch mob, and they uh, chased him down. They beat him, beat him to a pulp, uh, cut off his right hand, and shoved a meat hook into the stump. 
Um, then they took some honeycomb from a, from a beehive nearby and covered him in it. And the bees stung him. And basically he just, he died there from being beaten and mutilated and stung so many times. So Candyman. And then they burned his body on a pyre. Yes, sorry, I did leave that part out. Yeah, he was he was burned to death. Um, and so over time, Candyland has just become this legend within Cabrini. <laughs> you said Candyland. What? You said Candyland. I did. I th- I'm pretty sure. Well, I didn't mean. And it was Candyland. funny to me. Shut up, Taylor. The legend of Candyland, <laughs> a mythical place full of candy canes, candy. And gumdrop mountains. Anyway. Home of Candyman. Okay. If I'm going to get through this. Um, I was segueing back in, and then you interrupted me, and now we're continuing to talk about it because you had to be an asshole. Are you done? Can I finish? Would you? Anyway, so Candyman um, has just over time become this legend, um, and Helen starts to kind of put into her... Uh, report her, her, I guess the thesis that she's yeah. writing, um, that uh, Candyman has just become this legend that people of Cabrini Green have started to use to kind of cope with their difficult lives living in you know what is essentially a ghetto. Um, they go into Cabrini Green and they visit the site of where uh, Ruthie Jean Ruthie Jean was murdered. Wait, did I explain who Ruthie Jean was? Nope. Ruthie Jean is who the cleaning lady talked about. Yes, you're right. Okay. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So the the two cleaning ladies, and this is definitely kind of the whole movie wraps around how things develop through word of mouth. Yeah, how things become, how stories become legends and folklore, um, and basically absorb the stories that are created by about them through word of mouth, and say, you know, uh, one of these cleaning ladies say, oh, you know, somebody who my friend or family knows named Ruthie Jean, she was killed by the Candy Man in her home at Cabrini Green. Um, so her, so Helen and her friend Bernadette go to Cabrini Green and go to the uh, site where Ruthie was killed. And she, they're basically, you know, if a white lady goes, well, a white person in general goes into a project or, you know, a, a, a low income area um, that's, you know, populated by mainly minorities. A lot of times they're looked at as like possible police. You know, police mm-hmm. are coming by and, you know, they've got watch outs that are, you know, whistling and sending cues and, you know, saying police are here, you know, lock your doors, whatever. Um, because the, and get into this more when we talk about the new movie, but race plays a huge issue in both of these films. Yeah. Um, and how basically the city of Chicago is basically is essentially forgotten Cabrini green and it's, you know, cops don't come down there unless there's a problem. Um, so 
yeah, they go in and uh, I can't remember if this is before or after, but Helen, who lives very close to Cabrini Green, realizes that this high rise in the project is identical to her apartment. And she discovered in her apartment that if she opens up... She discovered that her apartment building used to be a project. Yeah, and it was redeveloped through gentrification, which, again, is another issue that is brought up in the new movie, um, that now it's like these high-priced condos. Mm -hmm. She discovers that when she... She pulls out her medicine cabinet. Yeah, I, I forget how she discovers this. I don't know. She just what prompts her to. She do just it. brings Bernadette over and says, "Look what I noticed." Yeah, I don't so, think they really explain how she discovered it, but okay. So yeah, she pulls her her medicine cabinet off the wall, and there is an opening. Oh, it's because they say that whoever killed Ruthie came through the wall. Yeah, and you know it's it, because it's a medicine cabinet. It's a mirror, so it's a you know Candyman killed her because she invoked him and he came out through the mirror. But what Helen is basically trying to disprove is that. Nobody came through the mirror. They came through a hole in the wall that leads into an adjacent apartment that was you know, walled off. Yeah, because she pulls out her medicine cabinet and sees the back of another medicine cabinet. So there's there's nothing in between the two medicine cabinets between these two apartments. So basically, she can push the other medicine cabinet in and just go right into the next apartment. Right. Um, and so when she realizes that the buildings are identical and that that must have been what where the killer who killed Ruthie Jean came from. So basically just trying to disprove the whole candy band myth. Um, let's see. That's where she meets, uh, what's Anne-Marie? Yeah, Anne-Marie. Yes. Who is Ruthie Jean's neighbor. Um, and so, yeah, she basically just explains, you know, what she's seen in the building um, and her own, her own kind of belief in Candyman. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to. Th- okay, and so after they learn about all this stuff, and you know, Helen is, and even Bernadette are very, still very skeptical about, about the whole Candyman legend. Her and Bernadette invoke Candyman at her apartment. Um, and nothing happens. And nothing happens. In the coming days. Except for Trevor comes in and scares her. Right. Because he's smashed. <laughs> that Trevor. Um, I feel like Xander Berkeley, he's just one of those guys who's just like, he plays an asshole. That's just his lot in life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, let's see. I think I'm talking out of order here. Well, so she, she goes back alone and talks to Jake, the little kid. Right. And he says he's seen Candyman and takes her to this like out, uh, not outhouse, but a, like a public restroom, just a, a freestanding restroom structure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tells her the story of how he saw Candyman rip a kid's dick off in there. Right. 
And so she goes in there and she's kind of scoping it out. And this guy comes in wearing like the big furry coat and he's, he's holding a hook. He doesn't have a hook for a hand, but he's right. holding a hook. And he's like, I heard you're looking for Candyman, bitch. Yeah. And then assaults her. Right. Yeah, beats her. With his little gang of cronies. Yeah, they beat the shit out of her. Um, and Yeah, give her a big swollen eye. And- mm-hmm. Um, but later when she's being questioned by the police, they find out he's actually, I think he, she fingers him, right? Yeah. (laughs) In his butthole. (laughs) In his butthole. (laughs) And the police are like, what are you doing? (laughs) No, 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 we don't do that here. That's not helpful. (laughs) But they tell him, they, the police tell her that he's actually the leader of a gang, um, you know, well known to them. And now because she has identified him that they can actually do something. Uh, and that's kind of the trouble is that people in Cabrini Green don't call them when there's something wrong. And so they have no power to do anything because they're not being, you know, as the police are not being notified that there are crimes or assaults, you know, being committed. And it's just like a very closed off, tight knit community and they don't allow police in. And so, and you know, police are essentially unable to do anything and it's kind of like you know seeing it from both perspectives it's like who's right who's wrong yeah um so over time helen starts to see the real candy man and he knows real because it's tony todd yeah yeah he approaches her in a parking garage and there's like this weird telepathic conversation going on yeah, and he starts telling her that, you know, he you called me and I came. Um, you know, and he, he keeps he starts saying, you know, be my victim. Be my victim. Um and that's just kind of his 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 lot as a as as an object of folklore is that he comes and kills people. Like his primary purpose is to create victims. Um but there seems to be something different with Helen. He says, like, it was always for you, and, like, he came for you. And- yeah. And, you know, whether that's because she was a white woman, similar to the, the, the woman Yeah, I mean, we find out with. later that she looked very similar to the woman that he was in love with. Right. Um, let's see. But he took the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I took it from some stupid daikini. Um. Yeah, she blacks oh, out. So she, she blacks out and she wakes up in Anne Marie's apartment covered in blood. Yeah. Well, so Candyman tells her that because she's basically been shitting over his legacy, basically out to disprove his legitimacy as uh, you know his the pain that he went through when he was alive and the legend that he's created over time. It's kind of it's kind of Freddy versus Jason esque, where he's talking about like the you know the the stories in the schoolyards and the whispers in the hallways. I crave those things and I feed on those things. Yeah, and so like because of that he's basically like so I'm gonna make you my bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, she passes out, and she wakes up in Anne Marie's apartment, uh, covered in blood, and holding a a, a cleaver. Yep. She realizes that she, she she didn't even know where she is at first, and neither do we as the audience. 
but she, we hear screaming coming from another room. I think she wakes up next to a, the dead dog. No, I think the dog was outside. Like she opened the the bathroom door. She was wakes up in the bathroom. I think she opens the bathroom door, and there's the dog. Okay, head. yeah. So it's a big Rottweiler who we saw earlier in the film. It's Anne Marie's dog, who has been decapitated, decapitated, whatever, motherfucker. Um, and uh, Anne Marie is, co- she's covered in blood herself, or you know, and she's standing over her baby son's crib. Uh. And she is just screaming hysterically. And the baby, you could see in the crib, the baby's not there. There's no baby. <clears throat> um, yeah. So naturally, because she's standing there covered in blood, carrying or holding a cleaver, um, Anne Marie, she is in hysterics, go she lunges at uh, Helen and tackles her to the floor and starts attacking her. That's when the police come and take her into custody. Take Helen into custody. Sorry, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, how's it look? Because okay. when they barge in, like Helen like throws Anne Marie off of her and is like standing over her with the cleaver up right as the police walk in. Yeah. Um, just, just bad timing. Yeah. Not that there would have been good timing in that situation. Because she just looks guilty as fuck. Which there's, there's a couple times where it seems like Candyman is just like, I'm going to make you look so fucking guilty. Right. Um, so she, I mean, she gets taken to jail and Trevor bails her out. Um, and she continues to try and research Candyman because now she's, she believes that he's real. Um, and so She's at her she's at her apartment and she's trying to kind of maintain some kind of normalcy, but she can tell that Trevor is starting to lose faith in her. You know, he even though he says that he believes that she's innocent, that you know, he clearly believes that she's done something. Um she so Candyman comes to her in the bathroom, slices her neck, uh, and then she passes out again. It's about this time that Bernadette shows up to check on Helen. Uh, Candyman appears to her and kills her. So once again, Helen is covered in blood. This time next to the body of her dead friend. Um, and the uh, so yeah, the police and, and Trevor come again, and you know there's just. Haul her away. Yeah, you know, once might be bad timing. Two times is a pattern. Yeah, so um, they put her in a padded room. Yep. Yeah, they, put, they take her to a psych hospital and she's restrained. Um, a month later, uh, she is speaking with the the doctor or you know the warden or whoever he may be of the psychi- psychiatric hospital. Um, and basically trying to, she, she's been court mandated to go under, under, undergo psychiatric help. Um, and he's basically saying, okay, you know, explain to me your version of things. Um, and she's trying to explain it. And she says, here, I can prove it to you. You know, give you know, give me a mirror. And she tries to call on the candy man. 
And he just fucking guts the psychiatrist. Yeah. And like, you think it doesn't work at first, but then suddenly he pops up and, you know, the, the psychiatrist is sitting there, you know, obviously very skeptical, skeptical and, and non-believing. But then, yeah, Candyman pops up behind his chair and has shoved his hook through his back um, and then undoes her restraints. So it's like she can't even have the deniability saying that I was strapped to my chair. How yeah. could I possibly kill them? And then he flies away, right. which was the, probably the hokiest <laughs> part of the whole movie. He just flies backwards out the window. He's like, I'll be back. My planet needs me. <laughs> so she escapes the hospital because, you know, she's already fucked. She might as well. Yeah. Um, and she goes home. She finds that her apartment has been... Basically turned upside down. All the furniture's <laughs> painted bubblegum pink. Yeah, all, all furniture's gone. I think, and boxes are packed up. No, it had like uh, wrapping and stuff over it because they, they were painting. Okay, and yeah, the whole apartment's been painted. And he finds, or she finds, in her home, the grad student that she was very suspicious of. And I guess it's closer to the beginning of the movie. Very suspicious of uh, that her husband, that Trevor was was fucking and obviously he was yeah or is now at least um trevor's not like the kind of like hot teacher type (laughs) no (laughs) it's fucking xander berkeley right um you're just like really this is the guy (laughs) uh let's see where does it go from here? So she leaves and goes to Cabrini Green um, to basically face down Candyman because he knows, or she she he told her that she needed to come to him or else he was going to kill the baby. Yeah. Um, basically, it's her or the baby. Right. He's going to kill one of them. Um, and it's up to her. She goes to uh, the hidden apartment and finds Candyman in there and uh, let's see she you know gives herself to him he spits bees in her mouth yeah oh yeah she so she he says that he's like know, a dog with bees in his mouth when he barks his bees <laughs> he shoots bees out. <laughs> what <laughs> on the Simpsons it's like release the hounds, release the bees, release the hounds with the bees in their mouth, and when they bark, they shoot bees. At them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, he says that you know, you know, if you be my victim, and I'll, I'll release the the baby, um, the baby, the baby. <laughs> uh, so she submits. He yeah, opens up her, his mouth, and it's just, or actually, he opens up his coat and does like a little pee pee dance. <laughs> Like, like, would uh, you fuck me? <laughs> no, he doesn't do that. But he reveals basically an exposed rib cage that is covered in bees. Um, he pulls her in and opens up his mouth, which is just full of bees, and just lays one on her. Um, and uh, so he, I can't remember if she passes out again or if he just disappears. I think she passes out. Okay. And she wakes up again. Um, and 
finds a yeah okay so yeah he finds a painting of Candyman and the, the the woman that he was in love with, and she looks almost identical to Helen. And it says, "It was always you, Helen." I think is what it says. Sounds right. Um. So in in the center of Cabrini Green, like in the kind of lot. Yeah, there's just an empty lot in the middle of of, of the of the project. The residents they do an annual bonfire. They just collect up a bunch of old chairs and yeah, just doors, fucking and... garbage. Um, and uh, they just have a big bonfire. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's in like celebration of Candyman or to to recognize Candyman or if it's even related. Yeah, they don't really go into it. Um, Jake says it's for the party. That's about all he says. Yeah. So, um, she, let's see, she hears the baby. Yeah. She hears the baby inside the, the, um, the, the, the pile of, of garbage. So she goes crawling into it and the little boy, James, is that his name? Jake. Jake. Um, the young boy, the young boy sees somebody crawling around in this pile of, of wood and, and garbage. Well, she also, she grabbed a hook and so she's like using this hook to climb the thing. And so Jake sees the hook. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And Jake's just kind of under his breast as candy man and starts getting all the Cabrini green residents together um, to basically stop the candy man by burning him, I guess. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's already dead, so... I, he was already burned once. Yeah. I don't think he's going to That's the thing I didn't understand anymore. about this ending. Yeah. Falls apart a little bit. But anyway, so Helen is in the middle of, like, in the thick of this pile. Uh, and she's just crawling towards the, the crying of, of baby Anthony. Um, and she finds the baby, and Candyman kind of grabs her and... You know, says that he'll release the child if she helps him, you know, be part of his legend. Um, and instead, she stabs, she stabs with the hook, right? Yes. And in the meantime, the, the residents of Cabrini Green have, have lit. I mean, Candyman basically, he, he lied. He was, he was going to kill them both. Yeah. He's full of shit, man. Yeah. You can't trust a fucking supernatural demon. No. <laughs> I'm a fucking demon. So the residents have uh, lit ablaze the pyre. Um, and um, meanwhile, Helen's inside while, as this thing is starting to burn from the outside in. And she grabs a hold of the baby and starts making her way out. Uh, there's, but you know, the wood is burning and collapsing around her. So she's struggling and she's getting burned and eventually he's actually lit on fire. Her, her hair lights up. Um, and she finally makes it out and she's managed to protect the baby and hands the baby off to Anne Marie. And that's when the residents come and start putting her out. Um, when she stabbed Candyman with like a flaming stake, like a flaming stick. Is that what it was? Yeah. Stabbed him in the, in the chest. Man, maybe I should have watched this again. <laughs> Fuck. I thought I, I really thought I remembered it better than this. You're doing all right. You're just missing some of the finer details. Yeah. 
And that I think that's what happens. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember mostly how that went. Yeah. Just like the little tiny details. It works better for newer movies, I think. Yeah. Because we don't want to talk about it too much. Right. Yeah, she stabs him with like a flaming... It's, it's not a stake, but it's, you know, a sharpened chunk of wood. And she stabs him in the chest and he kind of burns up from the inside out. <laughs> which, again, doesn't make any sense. Like... He's already dead. She's watching this with me, and she's like, "Wait, I thought he was. I thought he was a ghost." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." <laughs> it's like, don't don't think about it too hard. Um. Anyway, so she. It's the same way that you know Jason dies at the end of every movie. Right. So she's been tragically been basically fatally burned. Um. I think does she go to the hospital? Does she die in the hospital? No, she dies right there. Does she? Okay. Um. So yeah, she's she's been burned to death, and you know the the residents of Cabrini Green realize that realize their mistake because they thought that she had kidnapped the baby. But at that point they realized that they, that she didn't and she was trying to rescue him. And whether or not they realized that Candyman stole the baby, I think it's kind of ambiguous, but I think maybe we're supposed to think that they did. I don't know. Like you said, it's, it's pretty ambiguous. So, um, they, yes. all, they all go to her funeral. Yeah. Pay their respects. At the funeral, basically Trevor's there and like two other people. I Trevor's think. there with his fucking side piece. Right. Asshole. But, you know, the rest of the world sees Helen as a murderer. But, the you know, the people of Cabrini Green know. So they come to the funeral in in, in mass yeah. parade. <laughs> um, and uh, I think they drop Candyman's hook. Into her, into her grave, don't they? I feel I like Jake dropped something in there, but I can't remember what it was. I don't recall. I said I have to watch it again. Um. Anyway. So yeah, after the funeral, Trevor goes home with uh, whatever faces. I want to say Stacy, but I don't know if that's right. And uh, he is. He's in the bathroom and he's like, trying, Stacy. Okay. He's trying to, you know, basically hide the fact that he is just like, distraught. Just, yeah, just torn apart by the fact that Helen's dead because, you know, I think even though he may have thought that he had fallen out of love with her um, and that he maybe at times thought the worst of her, that he was still in love with her. And that's probably why he's so broken. I think he just wanted some 19-year-old booty. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he's just standing there, and Stacy's out there frustrated that he's basically locked himself in the bathroom, but he's, you know, been there trying to fight back tears. And he stands up and stares himself in the mirror and says, oh, Helen. Helen. Oh, Helen, 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 Helen. And uh, he looks at himself. He looks up at himself in the mirror and says, "Helen, four more times." The lights. Well, I guess he turned off the lights, but then he hears Helen behind him. I, I forget what she says. She says, "Scared of something." Right, and it's Which Helen. She, she said that earlier. It was a callback. Yeah. It's when she came and caught him with Stacy. And then she like he was like I think we need to call the hospital. So she grabbed the phone and was like, "Here, call the hospital. Mm-hmm. What's the matter? Scared of something?" So, yeah, she's still there. I mean, she's exactly as she was when she died. You know, all burnt up. Yeah, yeah, critically burned. 
Um, and she pulls him in close and starts kissing him and has Candyman's hook. And I don't think we actually see him get slaughtered, but we hear him scream. Yeah. And then Stacy goes into the bathroom and anyway. Um, and what was funny was Stacy was cooking dinner, so she had like a big butcher knife in her hand. So it was kind of continuing the, the cycle. Right. Um, and then we final we wrap up the movie with a shot of Candyman's uh, lair. His, his, his den. Yeah. Um, and we see a mural of Helen with her head on fire, which means that now she's part of the Candyman legend. Which is like he kept saying over and over, you know, like, come with me and become part of my legend. You'll live forever. Yeah. And that's all you see promises, you know, basically immortality, but probably not in the way that it, that it would sound. Right. Just basically to live on through word of mouth. Yeah. So, um, what do you think, Taylor? Um, I mean, it's, it's a classic. Yeah. It's, it's very good. It's, um, I feel like the message doesn't really penetrate through. Like I keep hearing out of those movies about gentrification, but that seems like such a small part of the actual movie itself. Yeah. I think to, to pull that from the, the, the theme, it, it takes some digging. Like, I feel like that there'd be something like somebody have to tell you. Right. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, I see I it. I see it now. Yeah. For uh, me, oh, well, go ahead. Uh, the, the story is kind of confusing. A little. Um, and like, like we said, the end kind of, you're like, wait, wait, how does Candyman get burned alive if he's not alive? Yeah. Um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like this movie, and um, I feel like because I hadn't I, from the time that I watched it a couple weeks ago, I hadn't seen this in years, and it was before you know all all of the uh, issues that we are dealing with nowadays, or not nowadays, but in you know our place and time as far as uh, racial equality and, um, you know, racism and just hate and also, uh, you know, classism. I, I mean, this is 92 when this came out, so I was seven years old. So those kind of themes didn't really hit me. Mm-hmm. But now b- being, being an adult and also living in a time when those are such big issues, I feel like they really hit home a lot more or, you know, not hit home, but resonate a lot more. Yeah. Um, and for it to be so, I don't know, because I don't, I don't know if you've seen the sequels, like Candyman two is okay, but basically everything after that is so bad. Is there more than three? Uh, I want to say there's four. I, I, I I could be wrong. Um, no, two. I mean, two sequels, three total. Oh, okay. I thought there was four. Anyway, well, Candyman 3 is just unwatchable. Um, 
But uh, yeah, for for a movie, and like I I don't know between '92 and now where this movie was really because you know even when I saw it when I was like a teenager or you know in my twenties or whatever. I mean, it's not a regular watch for me. Those kind of themes didn't really hit. And whether or not it was because I was ignorant to it or if it just wasn't as much of a social issue as it is now. Right. Um, but for a movie that is almost 30 years old to resonate so clearly now, yeah, I, th- I think that is, you know, worth a, worth a mention. Um, and... You know the the plot is a little convoluted at times, but much like the the new one, which we'll talk about, the whole theme about the Candyman legend basically changing and becoming different by word of mouth, and um, and you know how it how it basically piggybacks down down the line I thought was really interesting um, because you know, I, I it's like a game of telephone you know basically yeah and I, I've always been really interested in, in different kinds of folklore and mythology and stuff that's always kind of been a um, an, an interest of mine and so something like this where it's like okay well here's this legend of um Fuck, what was his name? Robert. Uh, who, Candyman? Yeah. They they never say it in this one. Yeah, they do. They do? Yeah. Daniel yeah. Robitaille. Yeah. Um, I swear I don't... I, I didn't hear them ever say it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so... Da- yeah, Daniel... The, the, they tell the story of Daniel uh, Robitaille. Um, and how that story has changed over time and, you know, how this legend has been built and how he's grown power. Like like you said, it's it's a lot like Freddie where he gets his power through people sharing his story. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I always thought that was very interesting. Um, it makes you wonder cause like his death was so like elaborate. That like it makes you wonder how much of it actually happened. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, by all indications, all of it happened. Like we have every reason to believe that he was, you know, covered in honey and stung to death because his mouth is full of bees and he's covered with bees and and you know, obviously he has the hook, so right that didn't get there by itself. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like like you said, the way that the legend just kind of keeps growing and changing, that you kind of wonder is that just is it just the story changing? And someone just trying to, you know, one up the story that they heard. Yeah. And it's like this this theme of the the legend and folklore growing is expanded on more in, in the new movie. Um, but yeah, just definitely how this is such a contained story to Cabrini Green exclusively. And how, you know, little little pockets like um that professor who I uh, see P- Professor Purcell, the one who was basically telling Helen the history of Handyman, uh, Candyman. Um, you know, little pockets leak out, but by and large, it's contained 
to uh, to Cabrini Green. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't. Know. I, I I think it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much of this can be translated back to Clive Barker's original story because I'm not super familiar with it. Um, but. I th- I, th- I think the story is very fascinating uh, in terms of not only folklore and how it translates through the times and how it grows, um, but also um, the whole racial and social aspects of it. Yeah, which I think are f- kind of kind of secondary. In this one, whereas they're more, they're much more prominent in the new one. Yeah, uh, which you know is just a sign of the times, I think. Right. But, but like to your point, like saying you know looking back at this the, the movie that's nearly thirty years old and seeing all the same shit that we're still dealing with today, and it's just like it speaks very poorly of the human race. Yeah, it's like when the fuck are we gonna figure it out? Yeah, fucking figure it out. That's what I say. I say figure it out. Um. Anyway. Been out this for about forty five minutes. Do you have anything else to add? Um, I mean, the effects are are pretty good for a nineties uh, movie that cost nine million dollars to make. Yeah, I mean, this is a studio film. That's uh, true. So, I mean, obviously had some some oomph behind it, but yeah, for nine million dollars in in the early nineties, it's it's not like it's a you know action packed special effects bonanza. No, but there's a, some some good uh, imagery in here that looked really I mean, grim. most notably when he, you know, opens his coat and he's got the exposed ribs and right. Um, his chest is all open and gross. Yeah. And the bees. I don't, I don't know how they did the bees. Cause it looks like they just put a handful of bees in Tony Todd's mouth. And oh, said, there think, you go. I think he did. I think they did. He just put bees in his mouth. That's wild. I would don't know if I would do that. <laughs> I, if if we were on they reach and Silas was like, all right, we want you to put a bunch of bees in your mouth. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna need you to fuck off. <laughs> Let's see. The honeybees and candy man were controlled by Norman Gary, who previously handled the bees on films such as The Deadly Bees and My Girl. <laughs> uh film used more than two hundred thousand real honeybees throughout the throughout, and most of the crew wore bodysuits to be protected from stings, although all of them faced at least one sting. Todd negotiated a bonus of $1,000 for each of the 23 bee stings he received during filming. So he got 23 grand for getting stung. Yeah. Uh, in shooting the film's climax of the Candyman sends 500 bees to Helen's face, he first had the bees placed in his mouth by using a protective mouthpiece Okay. to avoid as many stings as possible. I thought it looked like there was like a prosthetic around on his mouth or in his mouth. Uh, oh, Gary had used freshly hatched, non-stinging, and non-flying bees mm. for the scene, as Madsen was very allergic to stings. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, took half an hour, or sorry, took a, half an hour for all the bees to get into Todd's mouth, and he recalled being tranced out when he let all the bees out of his mouth. Rose also utilized hypnosis in his movie, to work around what he saw as the cliche of excessive screaming in horror films. I don't, okay. There was definitely times where uh, Helen was under some kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'll... 
And the, yeah, whenever somebody would see Candyman, there wasn't yeah a lot of screaming. It was just mm-hmm. basically a, tr- a trance-like state, so. a fugue state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So, um, yeah, and this was filmed on location. Um, I believe in a real area called a real project called Cabrini Green, if I'm not mistaken. There's another movie that I really like. It called Heaven is a Playground. It's a basketball movie that takes place in Cabrini Green. So I, I know that it's, well, I mean, I guess I don't know that it's real, but it's been mentioned in other works. Okay. Yeah. Barker's short story set his set in his native Liverpool. 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 <laughs> was about segregation and the culture of the poor urban areas. Okay. Yeah, Chicago seems like a good good fill in for that. Yeah. Alright. Anyway, um yeah, so I think I think the last time I saw this was like before I was allowed to watch scary movies. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Um so this is practically brand new for you then. Yeah, more or less. Um, I mean, you know, I knew plenty about it because it, it's fucking candy, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the last time I actually like sat and watched the whole thing, I think, I think I watched it with my cousin. Sounds when, about right. Yeah. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> when we weren't supposed to watch scary movies. So, cause I, I feel like I remember him being really into this and Hellraiser. Yeah. I, he has, in the time I've known him, he seems like a pretty big Barker fan. Anyway. Okay, so uh, yeah, great movie, um, very um, iconic, iconic, and uh, uh, um, relevant. Film. Yeah, still. Yeah, thirty years later, still relevant. Um, and yeah, the, the I personally find the the whole element of folklore very interesting, and I really. If, think the way they handled it was uh very interesting so um yeah it was definitely a big recommend for me uh give it i mean if you haven't seen it then i i don't know why you're listening to this show because like if you're a horror fan this is this has got to be on your list yeah this is fucking this is day one shit yeah this is 101 <laughs> right here um Man, I'm I'm trying to decide between an eight and a nine. Yeah, I'll give it. I think I'll give it a nine. All right, I'm gonna give it an eight. There you go. Like I said, I I thought the story was a little too confusing at times. Fair enough. Yeah, I. I, that's what's really my own, like my my biggest gripe. Yeah, I I I definitely get where you're coming from. I think I I don't know if it processes processed it differently than you or, or what, but I I don't personally get that. But I, I can definitely. You've also seen it more recently, so that you know you might have been able yeah. to work things out easier. Yeah, I, yeah. If I've seen it more times, I guess I. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, I watched it on Cinemax, so I don't know. But it's on VOD. I know it's on Tubi, if you're okay with commercials. There you go. 
Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on and talk about the new 2021 version of Candyman. This is where it all began. The story of Candyman. Local character, he walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. One day, a couple of kids get razor blades in their candy. Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him right there on the spot. A couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. He'd been innocent. So he's real? Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. I feel really connected to this story. God. Right here, in this neighborhood, the legend started. Uh-huh. And the legend is, if we say hey, his hey, name five, five times, times while looking in the mirror, we could summon him. Summon the Candyman. Hell no. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Black people don't need to be summoning. I dare you. Don't say that. Say his name. Candyman. You better not do that last one. Candyman. Candyman. You want to be a part of the story, right? No. Say his name. Candyman. Anthony? Anthony. 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 You okay? Anthony. Oh. What the hell is going on? This neighborhood is haunted. I think I made a mistake. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real. He told me he has purpose for you. Tell everyone. <laughs> New to the neighborhood. You should say it. Candyman. Say his name. All right, so uh, 2021, although it was originally supposed to come out, I believe, in 2019. How is it that long? Um, but, you know, with COVID and everything, it just kept getting pushed back multiple times. I guess it takes place in 2019, doesn't it? That's what it says, yeah. Uh, this one, was was it also written by Nia DaCosta? Oh, no, oh wait, sorry. Candyman was originally scheduled to be released on June 12th, 2020. Oh, okay. But then it was pushed to September 25th, and then again to October 16th, until it finally came out on August 27th, 2021. Oh, wait, no. Yes, sorry. And then came out on VOD two weeks later. <laughs> two, three weeks later. Almost a month, yeah. Uh, so, written by Jordan Peele, Wynn Rosenfield, and Nia DaCosta, directed by Nia DaCosta. This is not Jordan Peele's Candyman. Everyone wants to call it Jordan Peele's Candyman. Jordan Peele, he wrote it and he produced it, but this is this is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Well, it's just like when they say like, oh, this is you know Wes Craven's film when he just produced it, or James Wan when he just produced it. Like, I mean, it definitely has a very Jordan Peele kind of feel. Oh yeah, definitely. Just like every James Wan movie has that same shitty. Uh, 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 hey, just shit. Just just shit. <laughs> I I can't even get the words out because I hate it so much. Yeah, man. Like 
I can feel my bro- blood pressure going up when I was reading this um uh the comment section on a uh, bloody disgusting Facebook post about uh malignant. It's like I haven't watched it because I can't fucking stand James Wan and I've heard pretty much everybody I know say that it's garbage. Um and it's like the only people I've seen say anything positive about it are basically the saying it's so bad that it's funny. It's just funny to laugh at. I don't think that's a positive. <laughs> no, it's not, but it's it's <laughs> the closest thing to a positive I've seen from anybody I know. Yeah, and I've seen one person that says, "Oh, well, you should definitely watch it." And give like no reason why. <laughs> That's not a very convincing argument. You fucking with me? (laughs) Um, And uh, but anyway, yeah, reading the comment section about it's like, oh, this is so good. I feel like my blood pressure going up (coughs) because there are so many fucking rubes out there that just love James Wan. Anyway, so like we said, uh, this takes place in 2019, 27 years after the events of the first movie. Uh, this is a direct sequel to the first movie. Yeah, the, this went the the Halloween route of being of retconning the sequels, ignoring all the events of those sequels, and being a direct sequel to the first movie while also having the exact same name, <laughs> um, which really creates a lot of confusion when you're trying to figure out where this falls in the storyline. Yeah, like is it a reboot? Is it a reimagining? I thought it was going to be kind of like a, a reboot slash sequel. That's kind of what I was expecting mm. where they kind of like, you know, redid some of the events of the original to move the story in a certain direction. Yeah. But it's really just kind of a direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. It definitely, it follows the lore that was set up by the first movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 27 years after the events of, of the first one, we are, our main character is Anthony McCoy. Who is a visual artist living in Chicago? Who's um, sorry? He's played by Yahya Abdul Mateen. Mm-hmm. I'm really starting to dig him. I don't. I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff. Uh, I know he was like briefly in Us. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend said he was in the Trial of the Chicago Seven or something like that, uh, which she said was really good. I don't know if I saw that or not. That sounds like something my wife would have watched, but um, he's. Playing Morpheus in the new Matrix. Do you know that? Is he? I did not know that. Yeah, like, I don't get too far off subject, but the Matrix, the new Matrix trailer doesn't reveal a lot other than just like action sequences. But his character very clearly looks like Morpheus, shaved head, you know, little glasses. Yeah, tiny little sunglasses, no, no arms. It's just like, what? The sunglasses, not him. Right. He has arms. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh but yeah it's just like I don't get it is he supposed to be somebody that just looks like Morpheus and but he just recently he and I think the studio or maybe um Lily Wachowski uh came out and said no he's playing Morpheus and the fish didn't want to do it I'm not sure what the story is behind that hmm. but he is playing Morpheus like proper so. I've seen so many people being like, if 2021 is a matrix, then fucking unplug me. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Uh, anyway. So yeah, Anthony McCoy is a, he's an artist. He's a painter. Uh, he lives in Chicago with his girlfriend, uh, Brianna. Is it Brianna or Brianna? I don't remember. I think Brianna, Brianna. Let's go with Brianna. Um, she's a, an art gallery director. So she kind of, you know, 
gets these openings where he can show off his art. Uh, they're little nepotiz, <laughs> little nepotiz. I don't know. Um, they're clearly very well off. They live in a very nice apartment. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny that like Chicago. So I believe this was filmed in Australia. Oh, really? As opposed to the real Cabrini Green, like the original was. Um, but uh, it's it's just funny how Chicago in this movie and probably in real life it's very similar to Seattle. Yeah, in in its development. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back at the first one, and there, you know, are these very rundown projects and stuff, and now this one, everything's kind of developed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brianna's brother Troy comes over with his new boyfriend to introduce uh, him to her uh, to his sister, uh, and while. While they're there, Troy tells this urban legend about Helen Lyle. Uh, and remember, know, remember Helen. Remember, remember earlier when we talked about <laughs> Helen. Uh, and you know, similar to what Tony was saying with the you know the stories and legends growing and changing, the they tell the legends about her like doing uh, snow angels in the dog's blood, and um, you know, like her setting the fire outside. Cabrini Green and just like all these things that we know having seen the events didn't actually happen. Yeah, like the, he says that she um, tried to take the baby into the fire. Right. But the the residents of Cabrini Green were stopped able, her. Yeah. And threw her into the fire. Which is the exact opposite of what happened. Right. Um, yeah, so Anthony, he's been this uh, who who is Clive? What is his position? He he's the uh the the gallery owner. He's the owner, okay. Um which, you know, nice little homage there naming him Clive. Right. Uh but he he sees Anthony's stuff and he's like this is, you know, derivative. This is I've seen all this from you before. I mm-hmm. need something new. I need you to be the great black hope of Chicago art, he says. So he's you know, he's looking for inspiration and uh he comes across the, the story of Candyman. He talks to this guy who runs a laundromat named Burke, who tells him the story of Candyman. And it's, it's not the story that we know. It's a story from his childhood back in the seventies uh, of him living at Cabrini green. And there was a guy that would give candy to the kids. And he had a, a cloth. He had, yeah, like a um, medical prosthetic hook, like, um, like Roy Munson. Right. <laughs> A real Munson. <laughs> a real Munson. Um, but then, like these, one day these razor blades started getting found in uh, in some of the candy, and so he was kind of shunned from the society, and so he started hiding in the walls. Yeah, it's, uh, it wasn't really focused on, but he did say that. Um, this man, what was his name? Sher- Sherman, Sherman something. Yeah. Uh, was, was slow. He was not quite all there, but you know, people were scared of him anyway because yeah. he, was, he had a claw and he was creepy and he gave out candy to kids. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So when these razor blades started showing up, it was kind of, you know, the perfect excuse to 
kick him out of the neighborhood. Yeah. Because it showed up in the hands of a white girl. Mm, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, um, Burke, like went similar to Jake in the first one, he went into this, or no, it was the laundromat. It mm-hmm. wasn't the bathroom. Um, and, uh, Sherman came out of the wall with candy. Uh, how did the police come? Who called the police? The police were in Cabrillo. Oh, the police were already there because they were looking for a missing person. Right. They're looking for him. They showed... They showed. Was it him? I couldn't tell. The picture didn't really look like him. They I didn't, showed I didn't think. Little... Well, I mean, it was a... I don't know if it was a bad picture or a drawing. I can't remember. It was a drawing. But yeah, it was... I'm pretty sure it was him. It was it, Sherman? I think it said... I think the post... The thing they're showing him said wanted rather than missing. I thought it said missing, but I don't remember. It's um, it like those legends. Is the thing is it, yeah. Uh, but Burke screams. So the police run in, and there's like I don't know, ten, a dozen of these cops yeah. run in, and they find Sherman, and they beat him to death right there in front of uh, in front of Burke, right, to the point of being unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, and so Anthony really kind of feels drawn to this story. And so he starts incorporating it into his art. He he basically makes just a painting of Sherman being beaten to death. Yeah. Is did you mention what Bert, or what Fields looked like? No. So he, he wore the the long coat yeah, with tall, the fur tall collar. Black man. Tall. Yeah. But I mean, like not not an identical coat to Tony Todd. No, it was different colors. It was yellow with just like almost like a off white or yellow big fur collar, but very similar. Right. And yeah, tall guy, tall black man. Did he have like plaid pants? I don't recall. I feel like he might have, but I'm maybe I'm just projecting 70s fashion <laughs> into my <laughs> memories. Um, but yes. So definitely, you know, had that kind of Candyman look. But like, I was watching this and I was like, okay, that makes sense why he's called Candyman. I never really understood why Daniel Robotail was called Candyman. I never got it. Yeah. The, the only thing I could think of was the honey. I, maybe, but that wasn't explained. Um, but yeah, it's so like I said, Anthony, you know, he p- paints this painting of Sherman getting beaten to death and Brianna's like, it's a little, uh, a little on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> um, but he does this exhibit where he, he just puts up a, uh, medicine cabinet on the wall and, you know, in the, press release or description or whatever it's talks about Candyman and says, you know, if you look in the mirror and say his name five times, he'll come to you. Mm-hmm. And if you open the medicine cabinet, it actually looks back into another room where all his paintings are. And at the time people are just like, this, this sucks. <laughs> this isn't good. I don't like this. Um, and so Anthony gets drunk and starts a fight. <laughs> Um, and then that night, so we're not going to spoil this one, obviously, since it's brand new. Um, I wish we could, man. I know. Um, so what points can't I spoil? (laughs) Should we just throw a spoiler warning on it and just talk about it? I mean, I guess. All right, from here on out, we're, we're going to spoil this thing because it just makes it better. Yeah, it's just more fun. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, go rent it, 
watch it, come back and finish the episode. Unless you don't care. Uh, so that night, Clive and this girl he's fucking. I don't know if it's his girlfriend, but they're cleaning up the um, the gallery. And she looks in the mirror and she says Candyman five times. And uh, then he, Candyman appears, but he only appears in the reflections. Yeah. It's, it's very kind of Freddy-ish where you can see the end result of what he's doing, but you can't see him. Mm-hmm. So like he comes up behind her and he slashes her throat. And so you see her throat open up and Clive is just like, what is this? Is this real? Is this real? <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, at least for me, like I'm sitting there waiting for, so it, it hadn't grasped me yet at this point in the movie that, this Candyman, Sherman Fields, was like going to be the Candyman of the movie. So I'm sitting there waiting for the original Candyman, Tony Todd, or you know Daniel Robitaille, to show up rather than being this well, other Candyman. When, when they first start showing him, they do a very good job of keeping him in the shadows and like not really showing you who it is. So I, I just kind of thought it was... Tony Todd. Yeah, and at first, yeah, especially in this scene where it was very dark. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, okay, is that the Candyman? Or is it... Yeah, I thought that the, the Sherman Field story was just kind of like someone knew, had heard the original Candyman story and just kind of transitioned it to be right. about Sherman Fields. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as the movie goes on, we do find out that uh, it, it, it is Sherman Fields that's doing all this. Uh, so yeah, Clive, he gets gutted too. Uh, the next day, Brianna comes back to the gallery and she finds the bodies. Uh, and the, the news report says that they were found in front of an art piece by Anthony McCoy called Say My Name. And Anthony's just like, they, they said it. <laughs> they said the name of my piece on the news. This is so cool. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's tragic. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible. Don't <laughs> um, uh, let's see. As we go on, we see there's these girls in the bathroom. It's, it's, it's a high school, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the girls was at the exhibit. And so she tells her friends, you know, have you guys ever heard the story of Candyman? And... So they look in the mirror and they say candy and they say it three times and the windows open. <laughs> One girl's like, not today, not today. Yeah. That's a big <laughs> note. Uh, but the, the rest of the four girls, they say it two more times and sure enough, Candyman shows up and he just kills them all. And this is off camera. I don't know if it was because it was children or what, but kind of a cop out. I kind of liked the, when she looked under the bathroom door and saw like the blood dripping. That was yeah, it was a good effect, cool. but I'd kind of rather see it on screen. Well, yeah, just because I'm a gorehound, I guess. Well, then you also you see a little bit in the mirror of um, what are those? What are these things called? Hand. <laughs> <laughs> the little makeup thing, little makeup mirror. Uh, compact. Compact. Yeah, you see that, this compact laying on the ground. And you see that's when you can actually see Candyman because again, he only appears in the mirror in the reflection. Hmm. You know, it opens and it closes like that. 
Hand. Hand? Is it hand? <laughs> it's one hand clapping. <laughs> um, oh, Anthony, while he was out taking pictures of the of various, mostly of this church in Cabrini Green, uh, yeah, he gets, so he gets stung by a bee. I don't, either I spaced out or you, I don't think you've mentioned yet that Cabrini Green is closed. I mean, like there were high rises and kind of, there are two high rises, I think, and um, uh, a slew of, you know, two, three story apartment buildings. And, but the whole neighborhood has been closed um, and it's all fenced off and the high rises are, I don't know if they're gone or if they've just been, yeah, no, they were torn down and then built back up into expensive condos. Yeah. So that brings back the whole thing of gentrification. Again. Right. Yeah. Like, like we were saying earlier, the, the gentrification angle is more prominent in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. While he was taking pictures of this church was like pretty much the lone building still standing from the events of 30 years ago, he gets stung by a bee. And as the movie progresses, this, infection just spreads and spreads and spreads so fucking nasty dude when he starts like picking at it at, at the table it's like, mm. like don't then, don't do that and don't his, do that then his fingernail falls off that yep didn't watch that part <laughs> yep we were watching it and i was like oh that's the one thing tony can't handle <laughs> fucking fingernails and teeth can't do it yeah um the curb stomp scene in American History X, like I feel like I'm gonna have diarrhea all over <laughs> the place. Uh, so he goes to the hospital to get this infection looked at, and the the nurse or whoever she is, she says, "You know, welcome back. I see that you were born here." And he's like, "No, I was born on the south side." Yeah. And she's like, "Well, not according to your medical records." <laughs> so he uh, goes to his mother's house, and his mother, if you haven't figured this out yet is Anne-Marie McCoy. Hey, you remember her from the first movie? Uh, he's the baby. He's a little guy. So when uh, Troy was telling the story, he was actually telling the story to the people in the story. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, Anne-Marie McCoy played by the same actress who I, I, I did not think this was his mother at first because she looks great. Yeah, it's like they transported her from the early 90s to now and like just time travel. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen somebody age so little in 30 years. Yeah, really? Except <laughs> Elvira. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he goes to his mother's house and just says, hey, you know, why did you lie to me? And uh, she basically, you know, she tells him the whole story about how, you know, he was the baby that Helen saved and the story of Helen is pretty much bullshit. Tells him the story of Daniel Robitaille, how he was the original Candyman. Yeah, she he like tries to say, you know, I've been, you know, looking into the story of Candyman, and she says, no, 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 like, nope, don't say that. Um, yeah, so the like after that night, the community was just like, you know, we never we never mentioned this again. Mm-hmm. Nobody mentioned Candyman, but obviously Burke didn't. He missed the memo. Yeah. And that, I think that was, yeah. So she's telling him that, yeah. As a as a community, we agreed 
nobody would ever speak of it again, and Candyman legend would die. Right. But, but kind of like Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, very similar. She said that, like, uh, you know, obviously somebody let it slip, and now it's it's spreading again. Right. So... Um, so Anthony, he kind of, you know, leaves in a huff. Uh, we see Brianna go out to try and find him. She goes to the laundromat, uh, and is attacked by Burke. Uh, Burke takes her to the church and we hear him talking on the phone to the, assumedly the police. And he's just like, it's the, it's the guy, uh, you know, that's been killing everybody. I saw him. He's got a hook for a hand. You need, you need to come, come get him. And as Brianna kind of comes to, he tells her that he wants the legend to live on because it needs to be something that the community can like rally around. Yeah. And uh, so as he's telling her the story, he cuts off Anthony's hand, jams a hook in there. So while this is all occurring, he's basically saying, and this was like, I loved this element of it. He's basically telling Brianna, who's the only one that's conscious right now, or, you know, cognizant, I guess. Um, I wasn't sure what was going on with Anthony because he was clearly awake, but he was in like this, again, like a, like a fugue state. Yeah. Um, she, he's basically saying that there have been multiple candy men. Right. Over the years, has the legend has changed. You know, uh, you know, I think there was a, a, uh, which I like kind of registered with me when he first told Anthony, the story of Candyman, he said, for me, Candyman was, yeah. And that's so subtle. Yeah. And it's like, you almost don't even notice it, but yeah, he does go go on and say there have been like a total of like five Candyman over, over the course of time. Candyman's candy, candy, candy man's. Candy men's? <laughs> well, because his name is Candy Man. Right. So it's not like he's... It should, so should be Candy Man's, right? Well, it's not like it's a profession. <laughs> right. Or it's like, well, you're a Candy Man, you're a Candy Man, you're a Candy Man, so you collectively are candy, candy Men. Yeah. It's not like Candy Man. Yeah. It's, his name is Candy Man, so it must be Candy, candy Man's. man's. <laughs> Just like it's the whole Batman's thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> or the, the Spider-Man's. Um, <laughs> but that's both his name and his profession. True, he is a Spider Man, named Spider Man. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, go on. Yeah, so like I, I don't remember the names of the stories, and it doesn't look like it's detailed out here. Um, but over time, there have been a collection of just evolving folklore. And stories passed down and, and passed through, passed around a community of different people that have taken up the mantle of Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there was, I believe there was, there was a, a, a young a young black boy that was beaten to death. Yeah, um, there was another man who was lynched. Very, I mean, not exactly, but very similarly to. Um, to Daniel, uh, and just there have been a collection of, and, and of course Sherman Fields. Over the course of years, there have been different people that have just become Candyman 
just because that's how the legend has changed. And I, I thought it was interesting that they didn't... I mean, Helen, at this point, has her own legend. Right. But she's not but a Candyman. But she's candy not Candyman. Yeah. So she never became Candyman. She became... Helen Lyle. Her, Helen Lyle. But over... You know, I, I figure the same thing could ultimately happen to her over time, you know... I mean, I kind of wish that maybe she had like a creative name like Candyman, <laughs> Candy Lady. Um, but over the course of time, I imagine that different women could become Helen Lyle. Sure. So that, that, I really like that about this, and I think I think that's very polarizing with this movie. I think a lot of people don't like that. Well, yeah, because like for so much of the movie, you think that they just changed Candyman. Yeah, and you're just like. Where the fuck is Tony Todd? Like, right. why is why is he not a son of a slave? Why is if this is a sequel, then why is it not the same Candyman? Yeah. Um, it's like be patient, child. Yeah, really. No, I really like that too. Um, and like I said, uh, Burke is is he wants to basically make the next Candyman. He wants to keep the legend going. Um. And, yeah, and the way he lays out how he's going to create the new candy man. Like he basically creates the legend as he's standing there. Yeah. It's like, did, Oh, did you hear the story of Anthony McCoy? He slaughtered his girlfriend. And when the police came and he attacked them, they shot him down, but he had, he had murdered, you know, people along the way or, or, or whatever. He's basically creating the legend then and there. Yeah. And, you know, and you just that further shows you as an audience member how this legend has been manipulated and changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brianna is able to escape. He, uh, Burke chases after her. She stabs him in the face with a pen uh, pretty much until he's dead. Yeah. Uh, Anthony comes out. He's kind of out of his fugue state now, but now he's obviously in a lot of pain. Uh, collapses into Brianna's arms. This is the moment the police show up. They decide that Anthony, despite being incapacitated in her arms, is a threat and immediately shoot him dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pretty poignant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the time of Michael Brown, George Floyd, and everybody else that has been murdered by the police in the last... I mean, say in the last 10 years, but even going back further than that. Yeah. Um, they're not even killed, just, you know, brutally assaulted by the police. This speaks so true. Yeah. To how the world really is. Yeah. Uh, they then put Brianna in the back of a cop car. Then the cop gets in and he basically tells her, you know, here's how it's going to go down. You're going to say that he ran at Jones and Jones had no choice but to discharge his weapon. Uh, otherwise, we're going to say that you're an accomplice and you're going to jail for the rest of your life. And she's like, I'll say whatever you want if you let me just see myself in the mirror. So, of course, then she says Candyman five times. Uh, Anthony appears. He's got the, the coat. that Actually, Burke put the coat on him. Um, Again, he's, a long coat with a fur collar. Right. Um, his head is covered in bees. And he just like takes out these cops. 
pulls this cop out of the car and says, uh, he says something about how you're not innocent, but people will believe that you are. And that's all that matters. And then like, lets him go, uh, opens the door, lets Brianna go. So she's walking down the street and she sees it. It was the cop, right? Yeah. Okay. In in this alley, she sees Anthony brutally murdering, murdering this cop. And again, his head is just covered in bees. And as soon as the bees kind of disperse, it's Daniel Robitel. And he says, tell everyone. And then we fade to black. Damn, Gina. <laughs> I was like, the last fucking second, that's when I get Tony Todd. <laughs> you edged me for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, when he, he, so she says Candyman five times, and in the building where Anthony was shot dead, you hear a gunfire go off. And, you know, the cops that are still inside screaming, and one comes stumbling out spitting up blood and his entire front is covered in blood and then the other cops are shooting him and he's just walking through the bullets yeah he's just floating i mean he's not even walking he's just floating which looked kind of weird but um and uh yeah he's just sweeping around killing all these cops and then he starts circling around the car yeah and in the, oh in the, the reflection, reflection yeah, you of, see all the different candy mans mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so it all comes together where it's all the same. Candyman is Candyman, regardless of who it is. Yeah. The legend is the, the entity is the same thing. It's just a different face. Mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> I fucking love that. Me too. Yeah. And I don't get why people's i mean i i think by and large this movie people really like it from what i've seen i think it's 80 84 on rotten tomatoes something like that okay um but there are people out there that just hate this movie i think it's garbage think it destroyed this Candyman lore and it's like I think you have your head up your ass because it enhanced the Candyman lore. Yeah, I think I think this is great both as a sequel and as a standalone film. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think that this could have stood alone as a as a, just a straight remake. Yeah, I mean, I I prefer it as a sequel because I think it it adds a little more flavor to it. But, um, yeah, man, ah, fuck the whole the aspect of. Like you said, you know, gentrification obviously plays a much bigger role in it than it did in the original because the whole idea of Cabrini Green. And, you know, in the original, Helen's apartment had previously been part of a project that was rent, you know, they kicked out of the. And actually, Anthony talks about this. No, sorry. Is an art reviewer or art critic yeah. talking about yeah. this, how, you know, artists. No, sorry. He was talking to the art critic. And he's saying how he, um, hey, the piece reflected gentrification. Yeah. And she, then she talked about how artists are the ones that come in and she says, she doesn't say you people. She says, I think she says your kind are, are like mostly responsible for it. And he's like, excuse me. Yeah. And she was like artists. Yeah. Like they come in cause the, because the rent is dirt cheap and it gives them a chance to work on their art and not have to have real jobs. And then, 
you know, eventually Anthony says later, he says something about, you know, if you stay long enough, we'll get you a whole foods. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, it, it goes this whole thing about how the, this, this must've been Anthony talking about this to her. I just can't remember how the conversation went exactly, but he's basically saying that, you know what the hood is, or, you know, you know, what the, what the ghetto is. It's that it's a section of the, of the city that has been completely cut off from, you know, um, from, from the city itself, from funding, from police coverage, everything that makes a neighborhood part of a city. And it gets so closed off until it chokes and become people come be, and the area becomes so poor and so destitute that the people can't barely survive there. And so then they sell it to developers dirt cheap. Yeah. Then they kick everybody out, sell the property to developers. The developers build new buildings and make, you know, make it the, so the rent starts out low so they can draw in all the artist types, all the people that are, you know, trust fund babies so they can not have their day jobs. And then over time start raising the rent and boom, you know, a, a neighborhood that was previously uh, a, a low income ghetto is now the new up and coming neighborhood. And, you know, living here in a metropolitan area in Seattle, you see that everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was fucking uh, Ballard. What, I, I don't know if Ballard was ever really low income. But, no, it was working class, though. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's happening in White Center. Mm-hmm. Um, Capitol Hill. Yeah. Capitol Hill used to be like the worst of the mm-hmm. worst. And now it's like. You, it's, the, it's the trendy neighborhood. Yeah, you can't live there anymore because uh, it's too fucking expensive. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Wallingford is going that way. I mean, the area we're in now is kind of going that way too. And I feel like Wallingford's always kind of been this way. Fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, there are little pockets of it that are changing. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, especially this area, this used to be for like college kids, you know? And, you know, when you move more towards the university, it gets more that way. Yeah. But now all these high-priced condos, these micro apartments that are so unaffordable that, like, only people that, like, work in tech can afford them anyway. And so, yeah, just the whole concept of gentrification just rang so true uh, because we live in it. And just, like, the the fact that, you, like, you couldn't make this movie – you know, in 1993 and have it be a sequel to the first one. Cause you needed that 30 years of development mm-hmm. to really kind of hammer that point home. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And to really, uh, again, 30 years of basically lack of progress in racial equality. Yeah. Um, to where, you know, people are still living in, low income or you know people of color are still living in low income housing um still and, afraid to call the cops and and being forced out of their homes young cabrini green seeing cabrini green has just become a, a, a an, an abandoned ghost town basically um and uh yeah and, and i think the the what really puts a, an exclamation point on that was that very end where he's like saying, okay, well, here are the two, two stories, you know, one, 
he lunged at the officer and he was had had to be shot down or two you were his accomplice and you know we're putting you away and it's like that kind of shitty stuff just happens every day yeah um and it, you know it, it as two white guys it's hard for us to i mean two white guys who never i mean we're we're not people of color and we've never grown up in a project or low-income housing Mm -hmm. so we can't relate but we can empathize and recognize that it's a problem um and that you know as much as we may try we are probably going to be part of the problem um but yeah i don't know those points were just very punctuated in this movie and I wouldn't say Candyman as a character is m- much less of a presence in this than the original. Yeah. The whole Candyman element is more. Uh, it's the legend. It's Well, I was going to say it's more of a state of mind. Okay. To where it's. um Not sure how to justify that. I don't know, but I mean, like, like when uh, Clive was telling them, telling Anthony, he wants him to be the, the the great black hope. And it's like, why are you? Why does he need to be your token black guy? Right. Yeah. And it's just that that kind of shit, and I don't know. Maybe I'm not making any sense. I don't know. I, I feel like this movie is very poignant in being not only social commentary, but also being a very effective horror movie. Yeah. Which, you know, um, uh, Jordan Peele has kind of made a, a name for himself doing that. Um, Yeah, I don't know as a producer how much oversight he had, but I mean he was a co-writer. Um, but I'd say Nia DaCosta as a direct director definitely did uh, her job uh, and did it well. So. I agree. I love that end note of Tony Todd saying, "Tell everyone." Yeah, and that's kind of the thing about it. You know, I mean, relative to the first movie where he's talking about how the spreading where he was vengeful against Helen for basically shitting on his legend and how his legend had been all but completely, you know, evaporated until Burke started spreading it around again. Right. Um, and so, yeah, tell everyone to basically try to bring the fear back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there are more points about this that I that I want to make, but I can't construct them properly in my head, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately, if you're the type that just wants to sit down and watch like a, you know, a, a brainless horror movie, and that's fine. I like to do that, too. I almost prefer that most of the time. But if that's 
the kind of movie you're looking for, or if that's the kind of horror fan you are, I wouldn't bother with this. I don't know. I think this can still just kind of hit those, you know, popcorn movie notes. Obviously, I mean, if you're the kind of person who does like doesn't want to be <laughs> preached to, then you know this this might get under your skin. But if yeah. if you're just watching it just for entertainment value, I think it still has that. Um, yeah, it it obviously is poignant. It it is um, it does have a message, but at the same time, it's not it's not a thinker. It's not something where you have to like, hmm, what does that mean? You know, like the message is there, and it's it's pretty obvious what the message is. Yeah, the the story and the lore is much less convoluted than yeah, the first movie. I agree. Um, but it plays on that, so I think it's important to know it first. Yeah. But, I mean... Like, the, like I said, I think I think this could just... I mean, we both said it. This could stand alone as just a, a new version of Candyman. Yeah. It, I think, it, like I said, I think it works both as a sequel and just as a standalone film. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed this a lot. I, I, I really liked it. Um, and like, just because it had gotten so much flack, uh, I was a little skeptical, but I was, I was very pleased with this and I thought it, I thought it did everything it needed to, um, I feel about this probably the same way a lot of people feel about Halloween Kills. Or no, sorry, Halloween. The the new one. Yeah. Um, in that it retconned so much bad shit <laughs> from the sequels and created or you know, made the story of the original film stronger. Yeah. But by not trying to manipulate it or change it, but enhance it so yeah um i feel like i don't remember what either of us gave halloween but um i feel like this did all the things that halloween did or wanted to do better oh yeah for sure i i i know that i enjoyed this more than i enjoyed halloween yeah, like I, I didn't, I don't have a problem with Halloween. I'm not trying to like shit talk Halloween or anything, but I, like I said, I just think this was uh, better at doing the things as far as you know retconning and and uh, but still being a true sequel. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. Well, anything else to add before we wrap this up? Um, I don't think so. There's not a lot of gore. Not too much. Um, like that, that hand thing. Yeah, there's there's some uh, some gross scenes, like him picking at his hand and his fingernail falling off. And when when Burke shoves the hook in his stump, that's pretty gross. Yeah. And what's that that phobia where you're scared of holes? Uh, holophobia. Yep, that one. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying though. Um, trypophobia. Yep. Yeah. If you, if you have that, then. This is going to make your skin crawl. Yeah. Just because they get nasty. Yeah. His, uh, his, his neck and chest kind of looks like a beehive by the end. Yeah. I have to assume that was on purpose. I would think so. I mean, it was from a bee sting. Yep. I, don't, I don't think that's how it works, but. Yep, 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 yep. Now looking for science. 
Fuck science. <laughs> science is a bitch sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say then? Uh, I say nine. Yep. Without question. Um, I think if there had been maybe more Tony Todd, I might have given it a 10. <laughs> I feel like I can't give a movie a 10 on a first watch. That's fair. Like maybe that kind of defeats the whole purpose of having a one through 10 system. But to me, 10 is just like, it gets better every time you watch it and you like, yeah. So I, I don't think I can give a movie a 10 on a first watch, but that's, that's just me. <laughs> that's just me being me. I like how I, I Googled fear of holes and then all the image results are just a bunch of holes. <laughs> Well, I think anybody that Google's just to, fucking with you. Yeah, anybody that's trying to figure out what what they're scared of and what the name is, then just bad news for them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. Yeah, two nines then. Um, yeah, strong, strong recommend. Um, oh man, I, I, fuck! You got to see this. Like, I think that. Anybody who's like into horror, but also, I mean, if you're a big Jordan Peele fan, definitely see this, like without question. Yeah. But I think that this has something for most people. Yeah. Especially if you're a I mean, fan of um, Candyman. I mean, this I was, gonna, I was just going to say, if you're a big fan of Candyman, you, you might kind of get agitated that it's not Tony Todd for like, or I mean, that it's not Daniel Robitel for yeah, most of the movie, but fucking get over it. Once, once you learn why it's not Daniel Robitel, it's like, that's great. Yeah. That's Man, such a cool twist. I, I cannot get over the aspect of there being several different candy men, candy mans. Yeah, I think we decided on candy mans. <laughs> over, over the course of history that just build on the previous legend. Yeah. It's like, man, that's such a good touch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was kind of spoiled by the end by fucking Funko of all people. Oh, because they were like, here's the new Anthony McCoy as Candyman pop. Oh, like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> you know, when his hand started getting all fucked up and yeah, started I, going up his arm, I, I immediately like, I was like, mm. he's going to become Candyman somehow. Yeah. And I was actually reading the Wikipedia article about Candyman, the character. And when it said, uh, you know, Tony Todd or played by Tony Todd uh, and, you know, such and such. What is it? Uh, yeah, Tony Todd, and then it says, oh, it says Tony Todd, Michael Hargrove, and Anthony McCoy. I'm like, or sorry, and Yahya Abdul Mateen. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty dope. Apparently, there's a Sherman Fields one too. Nice. Get all three. Get the whole set. I'm into that. I did find it interesting. Uh, we're supposed to be wrapping up here, but I, I thought it was interesting that the you know, Sherman Fields he had just a claw, like a like a, like you said, a prosthetic claw. Yeah, but when, when he was Candyman, it was the the meat hook yeah. again. I did think that was interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just him being enhanced by the chase variant. Uh, I don't know if that was just him being enhanced by the legend or what, but and it also like kind of opens the question is like the candy man is he an entity or is he just an like 
a, a, a history or a legend embodied? Is he just like the power of like storytelling? Well, I mean, Anthony turns into him, turns into Daniel Robitel. So it's like, is he possessing his body or is it like, how did that happen? I don't know. So many questions. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that because that's going to do it for us. Wow. We somehow talked for almost two hours about this. But just this one? I uh, know the two movies to combine. Oh, still. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I think we talked way more about this than we did the other one because. Yeah. Once we decided we were going to spoil it, we we're like, all right, let's fucking go. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's going to do it for us here, guys. Um, we will be back in a couple weeks and you know what that means. October Rama. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, sir. So, uh, we're going to be starting out with week of the vampire. And what are we going to be watching Taylor? Uh, well, this this year it's going to be week of the New York vampire, you know, so forget about it. Because <laughs> that's how they talk. That's how they talk. The, the New York vampires, they're like, hey, 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 yo, hey, hey. I'm Tony D'Amico. What, what do you know about it? <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> uh, we're going to be watching Vampire in Brooklyn. and <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and Vampires versus the Bronx. Not seen that one. No. But yeah, I picked Vampire in Brooklyn. A, because it matches the theme, and B, because it's terrible. <laughs> okay, so look out for that, guys. Uh, in the meantime, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us wherever you listen to your podcast, as long as that place is not Spotify. You can also find us at graveplotpodcast.com. You can listen to all our old episodes, check out Drunken Cinemas, uh, buy merchandise, join us on Patreon, all that good stuff. We've got to do another Drunken Cinema. It's been like three years. It's been so long. <laughs> I don't even know if we had to do it anymore. Um, we drink and watch a movie. How hard is it? Um, it's like we're three years older, though. It's like, can we drink enough to get hammered and still talk about a movie? Or are we just going to get real sleepy? Uh, yeah, I might just get real sleepy. <laughs> fucking old. Um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast, and on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot, and of course, patreon.com slash Grave Plot Podcast for exclusive content. Yeah, buddy. Okay, so, and of course, check out GravePlotFilmFest.com for all your news on the 2022 Grave Plot Film Fest. All the news. All the news. All right, guys. So, we'll catch you next time. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with you. Sprinkle it with you. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. The candy man. Mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Makes the world taste good. Uh, who can take a rainbow? Who can take a rainbow? Wrap it in a side. Wrap it in a side. Soak it in the sun and make a groovy lemon pie. The candy man. The candy man. The candy man can. The candy man can. The candy man can go.
she mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Makes the world taste good. 